You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. This is Episode 8, and we will be talking about Season of the Drifter. We'll be giving our impressions with Dave from PS Nation. And also, we of course welcome our co-host, Shadow Price. What is up? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing really well. I have had a really good week as a destiny fan we have some new content we finally get a chance to play with yeah. season of the drifter 
yeah, the new I'm enjoying Gambit Prime. I'm having fun with the team composition and things like that. We're going to get into a lot of that into the show, but my initial impressions are I'm enjoying the content right now. So, absolutely. And before we dive in to the conversation, I do want to remind our audience that you can find us on your favorite podcasting app. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, and more. You can also find us on the web at www.destinyshow.com. And also you can follow us on Twitter at The Destiny Show for all of the latest show updates. And we're also giving away a copy of ToeJam and Earl. If you like and retweet a uh, comment that we will be putting up on Twitter you can essentially enter to win and we'll be giving away a copy of toe jam and earl on our next week's episode so next friday we'll be giving away some cool stuff and hopefully we get a chance to do that more in the future and we welcome also dave from ps nation thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show yeah thank you appreciate you guys having me on it's it's an absolute honor and thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to be here with us and to talk about Destiny and video games. Yeah, and, definitely not a problem. Yeah, and for anyone who does not know, Dave is a Destiny fan who shares a passion for video games, sports, and softball. He also owns a PS4, PS3, and a Vita, and he is the co-host of the longest-running PlayStation podcast, PS Nation. Yeah, uh, I haven't been hosting it the entire time, or co-hosting it the entire time. I took over about 18 months ago. Yeah. Um, the Glenn uh, Percival, he'd been, uh, the, he's the founder and the editor-in-chief for PSNation.com, and he retired from podcasting in January of 2018. So, and myself and Michael uh, came on and to continue the show's trend, and we uh, and Josh Langford stayed on with us as well. That's pretty cool. I just bought two PS Vitas because I, <laughs> I, I production. heard that. Yeah, yeah production yeah. is over in Japan. So before they became scarce, I made sure to snag a few. Yeah, they're, they're a fun, interesting system. You can remote play with them and things like that. So a little, yeah, you know, hit or miss, a little, you know, miss potentials for some certain things on there. But some yeah. hidden gems on there, though. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's an it's an indie mega machine, and there's some great, great games on there. So like great games. So. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate the PlayStation platform. We actually started playing Destiny two on the playstation 4 and we migrated to pc as soon as the game came out for playstation and we discovered the land of unlimited frames (laughs) but it's always great to come back and play with friends and i recently got a psvr and let me tell you that thing is freaking cool i absolutely love playing beat saber on it yeah, I don't have Beat Saber. I've heard some really good things about Beat Saber. There's some I've got a VR as well. There's some great, great games on there. Like Moss is, is really good. Uh, Firewall Zero Hour for shooter fans is really good. It actually just won um, a game, a multiplayer game of the year for our website's Golden Minecart Awards that we give out every year uh, that are voted on by the community. And um, the uh, shoot what was the other one. There's another one. Um, Astrobot. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, I heard that one's really good. Yeah, yeah. Astrobot. One overall PSVR game of the year for our Golden Mine Cards. Yeah, Astrobot is a pretty amazing game as well. It's so reminiscent of Mario. 
or like your typical Nintendo game, but with a PlayStation twist to it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's such a great game to play. There was another one. I believe it's called Hot Hotshot VR. Super hot. Super, Super hot. hot yeah. There we go. Super. Yeah. You can like. That's like a kind of like a strategy kind of shooter game. Like you can freeze the game and like set things up and then do things with it. So, like set up uh, scenarios or put things in certain positions and then like and then unfreeze it and watch it like execute. Definitely. Yeah. And I I did actually also do a little experiment and I tried to play Destiny in VR. It didn't quite work out like I expected it to, but the possibility of that being a reality maybe in three, four, five years, that's kind of cool, actually. It puts it, like, in theater mode, doesn't it? It does, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's actually a really cool way to watch movies. A lot of people don't know that uh, PSVR is actually a 3D... It's a, it's a, a 3D movie viewer as well, so if you have 3D... Uh, PS4 supports 3D movies. If there's a movie that you have 3D, you don't have to have to have, to have the glasses. You can just put the, the headset on and watch a movie in 3D. That's really cool. I'll have to check that out. Any uh, specific movies you recommend checking out in oh, VR? That, yeah, not that I can think of off the top of my head. So anything that supports 3D. It, it oh, would, Avatar. It, yeah, mm. it would work on the in the VR mode. So It's kind of cool, too, because like, depending on your situation with how many TVs or you do or don't have, you could be watching a movie and your significant other could be watching something on the t- on, on the regular TV and you could just have the, um, the, the headset on and you guys could watch like two separate shows. That's a good idea. I never <laughs> thought of that. Got a wife and three kids. I got to do what I can. So. <laughs> That's understandable. Now, Dave, how did you get started in the games media industry and how did PS Nation get started? Uh, PS Nation got started way before my time, um, and it it mainly started off as like a podcast back in the like the uh, there was a group of people that were part of um, VGEVO VGEVO dot com. Um, it was uh, back when forums were like a really really big thing. There was just this huge community that was hanging out in the forums, and they had all these different. Um, for uh, you know, sub forums and stuff like that. They had PlayStation, they had Xbox, and over time, people were communicating back and forth in the forums. And then they just decided to start a podcast. And so they were doing the podcast, and they did a PlayStation centric one. Uh, again, like I mentioned, Glenn was is the is the owner and the founder of PSNation.com, along with the podcast. And he really started podcasting mainly to learn to edit audio. Like he wanted to learn how to edit audio, and so he got you know through a couple different microphone changes and some mixer changes and things like that that he did he ended up getting really good at at it and the show slowly grew to where um joystick.com actually came to them and had them host a playstation centric uh podcast for them the podcast was doing okay before then but that was kind of really like the liftoff point for it and then the website came a little bit afterwards and writing reviews and posting news and impressions of things and and then stuff just it just grew over time from then. They were able to go to, you know, they, Glenn and Josh went to E3 years ago, like seven, eight years ago. And then over time, as the site grew to be bigger and bigger, we were able to take more and more people. And we actually take a team of anywhere from five to six people to E3 every year now. Wow. So this was during the PS3 um, yeah. days. Yep. It started definitely at the, like, right at the launch of PS3 is when it started. Um, it's like uh, 11 and a half years old now, almost 12 years old. Um, 
so like the like I said, the podcast has been we're up to um, I'm actually editing episode number six hundred and fifteen this week. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, and Pass the show, off to you. That's the, awesome. Well, I, again, I have I not even a, I'm not even at like 70 episodes myself. But um, the they went. I don't know the exact number. I don't have it in front of me. But up in about three years ago, just due to some some uh, family uh, issues that everybody was going through at a, the the times lined up around. I want to say somewhere between five episode 540 and 570 is when they missed their first week. Wow. So other than that, up to over 500 episodes, they hit every we we hit every single week. That's remarkable. That's that's pretty incredible. That is dedication right there, and a lot of respect for you guys. That's really really awesome. Hey, we're happy to have you on at number eight. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome. I mean, just it, networking is always a big deal, and and growing and and changing things. I've learned like so much in the last year myself. Just through like trial and error and everything like that and what works and what doesn't work and feedback and you know negative feedback and positive feedback so it can always go it's kind of funny how each one of those can kind of play with your play with your emotions either way so and what would you say is the most exciting part about your job as a host i i'm a co-host on the podcast i don't really run the site um i i post reviews on the site i do i do news periodically i do a lot of streaming on twitch um on our Twitch channel, and um, the probably the coolest thing about this, um, contrary to popular belief, like what a lot of people think, I am I, I have a regular day job. I'm a retail manager, um, so I still put in you know 50 hours a week. And like I mentioned earlier, I have a wife and three kids. Um, but I am able to maneuver my schedule around and do certain things to where it's really cool when I get to go to events, like whether it's E3 or was when I got to go to PSX or. When I get to go, when I got to go review Destiny 2, when I got to go to Seattle and spend two and a half days at not, you know, right near Bungie Studio, I got to go to Bungie Studio, um, but I was in a I was in a hotel room. Or when Ubisoft is kind enough to let me cover Far Cry or Division, um, you know, or just any of those things. Getting to see things at E3, going to Sony press conferences, like it's. I'm 35 years old, but I'm still like a giant kid at heart and. I still get giddy when I see trailers and I still get excited about video games and new games and I still like everybody else I buy a game and then complain about not having anything to play. <laughs> oh yeah. I haven't felt I haven't never I've I've refrained from falling into the PC world because I've heard about like Steam sales and stuff like that to where like you all of a sudden oh you have God. like 70 games in your Steam log. <laughs> it's bad. Oh, it's I, real bad. I can relate to that because I subscribe to the Humble Bundle each and every month, so that adds about 7 to 8 games to my collection each month. Yeah. And since Destiny 2 came out, I think I've accumulated at least 150 games for the PC on Steam alone. So I can very much relate to that. And then I also have the Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation. I still have to beat God of War. I know it's been the longest time. Such an incredible game. And I still have such a big backlog of video games that I have to go back and play through, like the Uncharted series, uh, The Last of Us, I still have to finish. I love that game so much. uh, Yeah, it's such a great game. Like all those games you just listed have won multiple awards on our on our site for years. Last of Us got award just one game of the year for overall game of the year for two, 2018. Uh, Last of Us remastered or Last of Us and when it came out on PS3 
won an award and uh, won multiple awards, and then Uncharted as well. Those are like those are staples, and they're like top top list of must play games. Um, again, obviously, it's I don't own an Xbox, um, and so I've had PlayStation for quite a while, but those are top top tier. Like the Sony's Sony first party games are top notch. So. What was your favorite game you reviewed? Favorite game that I reviewed. Um, or your favorite review? Uh, I don't really. That's that's hard. That's, that's a tough yeah. one. Right? <laughs> the, 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 yeah, for a game that I reviewed, because um, a lot of times I, for the, until recently, I wasn't the the top of the food chain when it came to reviews. So it's like not that we got like second hands, but you know, like the podcast host always kind of got priority over things. But you know, games that like impacted me the most, like Last of Us, is 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 a great game. Like I I tell people the story all the time. Like my wife. Um, any Naughty Dog game, like Uncharted 1, 2, 3, and, um, and uh, 4, and then Last of Us are all made by Naughty Dog, which is a Sony-owned studio. Um, so mm-hmm. she started watching me play certain games, um, and she almost kind of treats them like movies. So she loves the Uncharted series, like the Nathan Drake stuff and everything like that. And we were playing Last of Us when it came out on PS3. Um, I was playing it. She was watching it. And we were going through it, and um, it was getting late. It was like a Saturday night or something like that. And, and Last of Us is probably like, I think, seven years old. I'd have to look, but it's been uh, awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's 2013, so yeah. six years. Actually. Yeah, so like uh, we were, you know, I was in my late 20s, um, you know, and we were, I was playing, and my wife was watching, and she's, you know, into the story, and she's helping with some of the puzzles and stuff like that. And it's like 1130. It might have even been later than that. Like, it might have been like 1 o'clock in the morning. And I, I got to a point where I'm like, I saved the game, and she saw the progress on the, you know, on PS3 when you'd save a game, it would say like 71% complete or 82% complete or whatever it was. And I don't remember exactly what the percentage was, but she's like, look, you're almost done, just keep going. And I'm like, I, I don't think I'm almost done. And she's like, it says like 80% or whatever it said. And I was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> she was so interested in that yeah. game. We yeah. ended up staying up until like seven o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I, awesome. I played, I played the game through the whole night. And you know, and then we and so we got a. I got a very. I mean, I think I didn't have to work like the next day or anything like that, which is kind of why she's like, well, you know. But she, we, I, we were almost done, and that was like another five or six hours of gameplay that I still had. Yeah, because when you think that game's about to wrap up, there's always there's some things that happen at the end of it, and it's yeah, it's 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 super great storytelling. Shadow, have you beat it? Yes, I beat the game and the DLC. And oh, it's cool. phenomenal. Very cool. Yeah, it's a great game. And the second one's coming, hopefully coming out this year. Yeah, I hear. I hear that. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be really exciting to play through the new Last of Us game. I did watch the trailer. I believe it was at the Video Game Awards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they had a really big trailer at E3 this year because, like, where they did like the whole uh, the whole church like. Uh, like that church, but it looked like a church, like a yeah, had a, like a bar scene, you know, things like that, where they were trying to develop the story and and aging the showing showing Ellie's age as she's gotten older and things like that. Yeah, I think that's where I saw that. It was at E3. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a really exciting game to play, and PS5 is hopefully coming out by next year. Yeah, I mean, they Sony's pulled out of E3 entirely this year, so that's a different. That's going to be a little bit of a different dynamic. They're not going to be in Los Angeles at all um, around E3. It's also the 25th anniversary. 
20th or 25th anniversary? You're right, 25th. PlayStation. Yeah, 25th anniversary of PlayStation. 94 in Japan. Yeah, and so there's been a lot of speculation. They cancel. They, they didn't cancel. They didn't have a PSX last year in the in the in the winter like they have in the last couple of years, and they're not going to be at e, at E3. So it's it's good and bad. Like they're building excitement, but they it's also allowing Sony to control the environment. Like they can they can decide when and how they want to present whatever they're going to present. I also think that Sony has gotten quite a bit of bad press as of late, so they're trying to let that all settle before they try to get back in the spotlight, uh, because I know that there was a lot of controversy about Fortnite and everything that mm-hmm. happened with that, um, and then also with their cross-compatibility and how they play with other developers. That's been a questionable thing. Yeah, I mean they've made some, you know, they they've made a lot of correct decisions over the life cycle of PS4, correcting a lot of things from PS3 that they initially uh, fumbled with and, and and eventually fixed with PS3 and then obviously they made the correct decisions with PS4 and the sales numbers speak for that um, substantially almost almost a 3 to 1 ratio. Might might be getting a little closer now as as Xbox is ramping it up and trying to fix, you know, backpedal or fix from their things from earlier from the launch of the Xbox 1. Um, but yeah, like some of their some of their decisions are a little bit head scratching. Some of the things that they've not they're not speaking about or they're not you know being as transparent as they used to be are causing some things. Uh, I mean, I have my own in, in um, ideas about uh, crossplay and how it should or shouldn't work. And you know, like right now, I don't really feel like it benefits Sony in any way to offer crossplay to its players to to allow somebody to, especially with a game like Fortnite, which is free to play. And if um, if you're play, if, if somebody's playing it on PC, and the expectation that you take something to PS4 and everything that you purchased on PC should just be playable on PS4 and usable without on Sony servers without any financial implication for Sony, I think is a little ludicrous. If it's a game that you pay for, uh, that's not free to play and it's not you know that that kind of gets into a little bit of a different scenario in my mind in terms of crossplay and things like that. Like if you have to buy like Minecraft or something like that, if you buy Minecraft on the Switch and you buy it on PS4. I feel like you should be able to move your stuff back and forth um, because you bought it on Sony's platform and you bought it on Nintendo's platform. I don't think you should have to buy the same thing twice, especially when those microtransactions benefit directly benefit the developer or the publisher. That's why I wanted in Destiny, like so bad. I mean, yeah, at least uh, cross save. At least cross. Yeah, yeah. I think that I know that you, you with the preliminary show notes you sent me had that question in there. Um, I think that. With Bungie being an independent studio now, um, you you might see it, but I don't think we'll see it until D three. That's D three, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think and it would be cross. It would be cross save. It would. I don't think you could uh, with the frames and the different you know different operating systems and stuff like that. I don't think you'll really ever be able to see cross play. But um, it's possible they can hit sixty on the PS five for D three. I think they can. They yeah, I, I, uh, they should. I mean, they should, like 60 frames, whatever version of 4K they're shooting for, but six, six, 1080p, 60 frames a second should be a guaranteed block on next-gen consoles across the board. Yeah. If not, then they just don't need to bring them out yet. <laughs> the, 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 the popular belief is that it has to be 4K, and the, the amount of people that own 4K devices and things like that is very slim. So. Yeah, it's still kind of... In its infancy, still. A 1080p, bit. 60 frames is hard enough for developers to hit consistently. If you ever watch um, anything like on Digital Foundry and stuff like that, you'll see that even p- companies that advertise their game being 60 frames usually runs at like 50 or 52, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
Now, what do you enjoy most about Destiny? Um, that's a really hard question. I was uh, my wife was driving somewhere today, and I was I was with her for a little bit, and I was reading through some stuff, and I was trying to think about that. Um, Destiny as a whole, the franchise changed changed my life and my gaming perspective so much that it's really hard to say. I've got a friend of mine that's in my clan um, that uh, that I play with on a very regular basis. Um, I've never met him in real life, but I, he, him and I are probably best friends. His name is Johnny as a boy. Um, and we've spent countless hours together and the friendships and the camaraderies and things like that that I've made and built up through playing this game with people over the last four years. Um, cannot be replaced. The opportunities that this game has presented me of being able to interview Deej and interview Eric Osborne and um, multiple other people. The the story that I tell people all the time is it was my very first E3 that I was able to attend, and it was uh, when Taking King was announced. Um, and I had I had purchased Destiny original Destiny myself. I was kind of on the fence about it. I wasn't sure if I was or wasn't going to like it. I kind of enjoyed the alpha. I wasn't really into first-person shooters as much then as I was like third-person games like Uncharted and Last of Us and everything like that. But and I had never ever played a single minute of a Halo game ever. So I did not know um, any of the, you know, of Bungie. I mean, I've heard of them, obviously, and I had heard of Halo. But so, you know, like they, I got hooked into Destiny. I did Vault of Glass with, with my, you know, couple friends of mine and stuff like that. And that loop kind of like hooked me of like, here's something cool. And then you can get stronger and you can get better weapons and they do this. And, and then it became like teaching it, um, uh, helping people get through the raid that couldn't get through the raid in our community or through through PS Nation and and everything like that and it kind of just grew and kind of spiraled out of there to where you know with, with again with my job with being in retail I was tend to be off on a Tuesday that kind of just happened to be how it was and I'd wake up in the morning and it was reset day and I'd get up and we would do nightfalls when we got the nightfall buff and the aura and we'd do our raids and we'd switch characters and do the raids and things like that and it was kind of like this just this ritual of time that I was spending with these people and like that still to this day can't can't be replaced like i don't care like i know that everybody kind of like makes fun of like when they came out and said like the friend game but like when i'm playing the game by myself it's just not that much fun as it is when you're playing with a friend yeah i agree with you 110 percent on this because the friendships that i've made along the way playing destiny have made it so worth playing and being part of it from day one me and shadow started playing the game together back in i want to say it was july of 2014 during the beta and we were hooked Mm -hmm. instantly right away we thought it was such an awesome game and i'll tell you what this was supposed to be the in-between game because we were just finishing up with call of duty ghost we were getting ready to play advanced warfare that unfortunately didn't meet our expectations we stuck with destiny ever since every expansion became a ritual where the night before we would buy the soundtrack on the bungee store because they made it available the night before and we would listen to the destiny music all night as we fell asleep and waited for the next expansion to hit and it was the special times playing through all of the raids for the first time trying to figure out puzzles and where to go and what to shoot and all the different mechanics it's something that i was never able to get from any other game yeah it's so incredible yeah uh, that goes double for me and the converse we came from like halo 
I played all, mostly all the Halo games, and I played a lot of the Bungie games because I I am a Bungie fan, and I have been for as many years, so I know how good the shooting is. Bungie nails the shooting; it's the best in the business, in my yeah, opinion. Absolutely, and um, just the feel and the look of the weapons—they make them special. The loot felt felt special, and just going and doing the nightfalls every week, doing the raids and building friendships. I met somebody, one of my friends in Tennessee I, that we used to, that we played with and we went down to Guardian Con in mm-hmm. 2016 when it was actually still called Destiny Con and uh that was a lot of fun. And yeah, I can say it's probably the most social game I've ever played. Yeah, my wife definitely is not a huge fan of <laughs> when content would drop because <laughs> she would just lose me for like 3 or 4 days. <laughs> Definitely, and I've had some of the most challenging moments in Destiny, and I've also had some of the most fun moments in Destiny as well, and I'm pretty excited where Destiny goes as a franchise and what we get in the future beyond just the annual pass and this fall. Um, I'm pretty excited to see where the technology allows for these games to become. Yeah, I mean, they've got a huge opportunity and they have no one else to point the finger at anymore. So. I mentioned that in last week's episode. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be very, very interesting to see what decisions were Bungie decisions and what decisions were Activision decisions. I had inclination that Bungie was going to partner up with maybe Microsoft and work out some kind of a publishing deal. No, no way. You don't think so? Absolutely not. I'm you, thinking their, their break from their break from um, Microsoft with the Halo franchise years ago, when they initially bought their independence, was a very big deal to them. They did not. I mean, if you um, there's a book. Uh, Jason Schreier of Kotaku uh, wrote a book called Blood, Blood Sweat, and, Sweat Pixels. and Pixels. Yeah, it's a very very good book. Um, it talks about that directly, and their their departure and their separation from Microsoft was probably had more fanfare than what their their partnership and separation from Activision just recently had. Um, they did not want to work on Halo anymore. Um, they bought they 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 purchased themselves away from Microsoft. So I would, I don't think that they would go back into that deal. Um, and it, obviously it sounds like they have enough money along with that other that other company that invested in them from overseas. That um, is yeah. Cool. That it, but that is a for a separate IP outside of Destiny. But at the same time, it still supports their payroll, so it's it's it, it's very interesting. But I think that it was it was very head scratching for Bungie when they did it. Obviously, I wasn't as entrenched in the video game industry as I am now. But looking back on it, when they their departure from Microsoft was met with so much fanfare for them to be independent, for them to then run into the arms of Activision was very head scratching. Yeah. So I think uh, somebody might be able to me some. Spicy tuna rolls, possibly. <laughs> By the time E3 comes. Well, see, my my thinking is that Phil Spencer is a new individual at Microsoft. There is a new culture um, in the entire organization with Satya Nadella becoming the CEO and also there being a new upper management taking care of Xbox. So I, I figured, because Xbox is a, in a very unique spot, they don't really have that big IP title obviously call of duty went with sony for exclusivity and i feel like destiny is in a good place to 
maybe negotiate some kind of a deal and let bygones be bygones, ironically, right? Maybe figure out a way to work together so that it's a mutually beneficial thing where there's only a publishing agreement in place but not necessarily any type of copyright uh, ownership being transferred of the franchise. Uh, I mean, the, the, I understand what you're saying, and like a lot of people that were surprised when the when Bungie and Activision split that that Bungie got to keep the IP, but Bungie had had been working on and had owned the Destiny IP well before they ever signed that deal with Activision. Um, That's true. And they, but and and fortunately, the state of the studio at that time, my belief was that they obviously needed the money to publish the game. And now they feel like they're in a good enough position to where they can self-publish to where they don't they don't need nor do they want a middleman. Um, otherwise, they would have just continued their deal with Activision and not not broken. Me personally, I think that this was year eight of their 10 year deal. Um, I think they signed it in 2011. Yep. And I th- and I think that Bungie went to Activision and pretty much said D3 will not be ready until 2021, which was outside of their 10 year deal. So at that point in time, there was no mutual benefit to Activision continuing that publishing deal since there probably wouldn't be any physical content that needed to be published. I did not think about that. Wow. Wow. That's that's really interesting. I I <laughs> did not consider that. That's wow. Because that's... Destiny Two was delayed an entire year at least. That was an an announced delay of an entire year, and Destiny 1 was held up in courts for a while, and that was delayed also. I believe that Destiny 1 was originally supposed to come out in 2012, and the original contract, 2012 or 2013, and the original contract would have been a new titled game every two years. They wanted to get it out in spring of 2014, I think. After it, they they wanted to get it out in 2013, but they then they pushed it to spring, and then they're like, okay, we're gonna fall of 2014. Right. Mm-hmm. And Rise of Iron was never supposed to happen. Exactly. You're right about that. Yeah. Definitely. That's awesome. I didn't. That's very eye-opening, in a way. I'm not saying any of that is fact. That's just my opinion. <laughs> kind of makes but sense, it, it, actually. It makes a ton of sense, actually. From the release schedule as a developer and a publisher, that makes. A ton of sense, absolutely. Because if they're following the same roadmap that they followed with Destiny 1, with their belief of it's going to take three years, and they're going to release some form of Rise of Iron-style content this September October, um, there was never... You could buy, like, the Destiny collection um, on the store shelves, but there wasn't a... You know, like, you couldn't walk in and buy Destiny Rise of Iron. It was only, like, like they did Destiny, and then they did Taken King, and Taken King had its own box and box art. But then, then came Destiny the Collection. Um, wouldn't it was not Destiny Rise of Iron. So that was, and I feel like that we're going to get something very similar to that this this fall, yeah. with possibly another annual pass, which is rumored to be in there somewhere. So. I think you're right about that. And that would also probably mean D3 fully on next gen uh, Xbox and PlayStation consoles. Now, when that happens, when Destiny Three comes out, do you think we'll come closer to having the crossplay be possible between PC and consoles because of the smaller disparity between frame differences? Um, I don't... Crossplay... I don't know because, like, I know that, like, Fortnite supports crossplay and Rocket League supports crossplay and there's a lot of other games that have been supporting some crossplay and things like that, but... Um, 
I look at it from a business perspective of cross-play could possibly uh, cause for lost software sales versus like you guys that play on PC and also have friends that play on console. If Destiny 3 comes out and it's playable, cross uh, it's, it's cross-save to where you can level your character up on PC, buy the game on PS4, and then take your character to PS4 and not have to re-grind for everything. For most people, I think that would be worth the 50 or $60 that the game would cost twice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Versus if you just allow cross-save, then you buy it on PC. I'm sorry, if you just allow cross-play, you guys buy it on PC, I buy it on PS4, and we get to play the game together, and there's no financial benefit from the studios for that. Gordon, how many times have we bought Destiny? <laughs> Too many times. I <laughs> I bought Destiny 2 maybe like five or six times between buying it for all my friends and buying the collector's edition on PS4 and then buying the copy and the annual pass for the PC. So I've put in quite a bit. But it's worth it because I put in almost 1,500 hours into Destiny 2. I've put in 3,500 hours into Destiny 1. You've put in 5,000 I think we're getting our money's worth here. I, I'm not complaining about what I spend on the game. I actually very much appreciate it, and I'm happy to have the opportunity to support them as much as I am able to. Absolutely. And my only thing from the business standpoint of I don't know what the cost of cross-play would be to incorporate cross-play into these servers nor it, or to see if it's even possible. But again, like... I don't think that directly announcing cross-play would increase sales. Yeah, and it could actually have the adverse effect and decrease sales because if you are able to play with your friends and you're on PlayStation, your friend is on PC, there's no reason for you to get the game for any other platform. Exactly. So their job is to, whether we like it or not as consumers, we have to you know, step back sometimes and think about it from a business standpoint of, like it costs money to do these things and what benefit does it give any studio let alone Bungie to just say okay we're going to sell 100 copies of the game no matter what and now we're just going to allow 50 people to play against these other with these other 50 people no matter what um, you know you can you can have a raid team of two Xbox players two PC players and two PlayStation players and there's no and it just works and that's great and it's great for the consumer base but it's not giving them any benefit financially I don't think it would cause them to it would cause any version of Destiny to sell more or less if it was viable versus like having to to buy it like if I you know if I had a PC that could run Destiny 2 right now and and I I've, I've got plenty of people that play on PC that I know or that I used to play with on PS4 that moved to PC to where I could just incorporate my Titan and bring him on to P, on the PC and play the game with my friends I would buy it again if I could buy Destiny 2 or Destiny 1 on my Switch Oh man, oh man! I would buy it like twenty times over. It would be a done deal. You know, that's kind of why I got a Vita too, so I can um, do remote play for Destiny and Destiny Two on my Vita. I didn't think about that. <laughs> how does how does that work? Um, it you you have to set it up through the Vita, but there's a way that you can play. You can use the Vita as a screen obviously and you can connect to your ps4 similar to how remote play via pc and actually this week through ios works they just uh ps4 just updated their firmware to, to support ios now that's so pretty where you, cool where you can connect to your 
Uh, you can connect your Vita to your PS4 over Wi-Fi, and then you can play games. The back touchpad serves as your as you can you can map buttons to the screen and you can map buttons to the back touchpad. But it's not the easiest thing to play a shooter on. But it's they have possible. an adapter. Yeah, I've seen one on eBay. It's yeah. like thirty something dollars, and it literally gives you triggers on the back yeah. and the top, so you're yeah. able to play them. Yeah, so it it is possible that you could you know sign on and you know I'm gonna pick one up. <laughs> Go do patrol or do your flashpoint or something like that. Maybe on your lunch break if you have good Wi-Fi connection at work and at home, you know. I may have to try to pick up PS Vita now. Wow, and I may have an extra one. Does it run smoothly or how how does it run? Um, I haven't remote played Destiny Two. Uh, Destiny One did okay. Um, to be honest with you, I probably haven't. I don't even know where my Vita is in my house somewhere. It's in my bedroom somewhere probably. Um, but uh, so I just haven't used it recently. But the there was some some like remote play worked really well at the very beginning, um, and it still works well. Like you, especially like on PCs and stuff like that. I see a lot of people remote playing on PC because you can just plug a DualShock into your PC, and it just works. So. I will have to definitely look into that. Wow, pretty cool. I don't really think you could do like a raid. <laughs> like I think you <laughs> might have some problems, but <laughs> I can I can only imagine. Playing a raid in portable Bog, mode. <laughs> Play Bog and Venus. <laughs> hey, it would be perfect for the new Gambit mode. It's about a 10 minute match now. You can stake uh, pretty much made it into a single round activity. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, but, Dave, what are you most excited about with uh, the new season of The Drifter? Um. I just want to see if there's going to be a gameplay loop that brings me back to to playing. Like Forsaken took a huge step in the right direction to bringing me back on a right on a very regular basis. Um, but you know, like the Black Armory, I kind of did the things and I got what I wanted from it and got certain roles that I wanted and I kind of walked away. Like this week is the first time like I put any kind of significant amount of time into Destiny since. Um, the end of like since when No IOB Labs and stuff came out, I kind of took a I played a little bit for um, Crimson Days, but I had I had taken you know time off, not necessarily like 100% Destiny's fault. I had a lot of coverage to do for reviews and some other things were coming up, and I had a lot of trips and you know things like that. But you know I just kind of missed the the daily engagement of you know of things to do in the game, and it's always important for me for those to be there. It's always nice to come back to Destiny and after taking a break because you don't get as frustrated with the things that are not going well with the game and you can come back to it with a fresh mind and it almost feels like, you know, you're not doing the same thing because they are only able to release so much with each content release and I think that's why we're getting three content drops instead of two because they just weren't able to keep up with the demand of what each expansion was going to require of them. And it was still not good Or what the community expected it to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, like, a really great value for, like, if you take the the value uh, proposition, you know, from that standpoint and look at all the content that they're packing into this um, DLC... Uh, I mean, the the content, like, the stuff like that can be, like, debatable. I mean, the, the fact that it's, you know, like, it's it's very Gambit-centric, um, and if you're not somebody that enjoys Gambit, like, this could be, like, right now, like, this first week, 
you know, like it could be something that could be a little bit problematic for some people. But um, the fact that they're they're continuing, like they're hitting on their promise that they made when when Christopher Barrett did that state of the game address right after in like right after Curse of Osiris came out and and came with like the negativity of it of where they were saying that they were going to double down on the end game and Black Armory and this have proven that they are doubling down on the end game. Right. And it also goes to show you with the invitations of the nine that they're bringing and the allegiance quest and the revelry event that's free for all players and the arc week and some other surprises. I'm sure there's definitely surprises that they haven't Mm -hmm. told us about in this. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why they're not giving us all of the content in one lump sum is because they want to discourage players from just, Oh, they would just destroy it in like three days. Yeah. Like, Exactly. Playing for 36 hours because there is a pretty big streaming streaming community, and once they beat it, it's like, okay, well, there's nothing else to do. So I understand they have to. They want to have longevity. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do understand it from that perspective. For me personally, I'm really enjoying Gambit, uh, especially now more than I did before, because I think that some of the gripes that I had with Gambit they were able to resolve. I think that. The matches lasted way too long, and they addressed it because of the, uh, the third phase being a uh, primeval rush uh, mode. So I think that was a good idea, them adding more spawn locations that prevented some of the unfair spawn trapping that existed in the game and, and some of the things that existed with the sleeper stimulant, if you guys remember that. Queen Breaker. Queen, <laughs> Queen Breaker. So, I can relate. So, for me, the first uh, expansion didn't quite do it for me, although I really liked Blast Furnace. It's still one of my favorite pulse rifles that came out of that. And for a $10 expansion, I guess I can understand the value that we got in it personally, although this one is definitely a lot more interesting to me, although we didn't get everything in one go as far as content goes i'm really excited to see that there's a lot more lore that's being promised to us with this expansion and also we have multiple exotic quest lines that we get to play and some of the new modes that we don't even know about that will be coming out in the coming weeks so i'm pretty excited to check all of that out yeah no i mean it's 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 very interesting in terms of how they're trying to drip feed the content to keep the to, they're trying to get people to sign in weekly and stuff like that, and they, I think they learned a lot of lessons this year, um, with especially even with Black Armory. So we're seeing those power surge bounties that were incorporated into the game, which are, which is a great idea of like maybe playing for like 90 minutes and getting. Granted, it's a bunch of blues, but you're getting 640 power to where you can start infusing things or you can wear those and then play the current content with people and not feel like you're like I can't play Destiny because I'm only 580. Right, and the story things that they're dropping, these little lore bits, like these previews that they had right before the Drifter, um, season the Drifter happened on their blog, it's it's really cool the way they're setting up the story, because the Drifter's story is very fascinating, because he's so close to being, like, uh, running with the darkness and everything, mm-hmm. because, I mean, the guy has a big ball on a ship that's filled with Taken. <laughs> yeah. Dave, what are your thoughts on the annual pass model overall and the new season of The Drifter that we just got? Um, 
the they the, it's always seems it feels like it's a moving target. Like we you go all the way back to, to to base Destiny when we got Destiny, and then in that September or that that winter we got um, Crota's End or Willa Crota. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, Crota's End Crota's or Dark, End, yeah. Dark Below. Yeah, Dark Below. Dark Below was yeah, yeah that was the so then we then we got Dark Below and then we got House of Wolves and like House of Wolves is what brought all the PvP centric things to it. It brought us Prison of Elders and then Taken King came out and then we got nothing. So that year two of Destiny was Taken King, it was the raid, it was the hard mode raid, it was the challenges, it was a couple of live events, SRL was sprinkled in there, and then it just kind of went dark and it fizzled out, and then all of a sudden in May and June you start hearing about Rise of Iron, they're doing all these cool things, and, and then you get Rise of Iron, and we get the raid, and we get hard mode, and we get you know a couple of challenges, and then it fizzled out, and then they started the hype on D2, and then with D2 they got they went back to the original expansion model of like curse of Osiris was almost deemed to be worse than, you know, dark below. And then war mine was a step in the right direction. And then you now, now we came back to forsaken and then with forsaken, they wanted to show that continuous content thing. And the way that they felt that they could do that was through the annual pass. Um, and it's hard to tell because they had problems with seasonal content and the player base grew with putting it on PC and people are like, well, wait a minute, you took certain things away from me that, you know, like, and it was just, you know, and they made their mistakes of like increasing the nightfall level and, you know, Iron Banner can't be played. But it was all the stuff that was in Destiny 1 that came into Destiny 1 over time that was considered to be part of the expansions or part of the new years of content. All of that was put into Destiny 2. And then when Curse of Osiris came out and people were like, I'm not too sure, you know, like, I don't really see the end game right now, and now you want me to spend money, but now I can't play Iron Banner, and I can't do the Faction Rally, and I can't even do the Nightfall that I paid for, and I can't play Trials before it went away. So they made a lot of mistakes, and they had to backpedal and try to clean those up, and now you're getting, you know, seasonal-esque content where people are benefiting that don't necessarily own the annual pass. Um, of some of these changes, but then some people, you know, like then other people have other things to do. So it's just a, it's a weird dynamic that they're in right now. And I don't know if it, it, I, I, it can't be changed right now. So they kind of just have to, to go with it. I mean, I'm okay with it. Like I'm kind of on the same boat that you guys are. Like, I feel like I got my money's worth out of the forges. I feel like, um, the, you know, what came from, you know, the stories and Niobe Labs and things like that. I, I feel like those are all fine and that's what they were supposed to be. And this new evolution on Gambit, I wish that they partially, I guess, like the little bit that I played, I wish that they had not separated Gambit. So it's in like two different modes now, which I think is a little weird in terms of they, they thought of something with Gambit originally and it was a great idea. And, the the playtesting and things like that that they did the time that I got to play it um, at E3 before you know well before it came out I got to play Gambit but I got to play Gambit in a vacuum with a control environment of the weapons that they gave me and the subclasses that they gave us to play with and I wrote a piece on it and I wrote that this is game changing and this is this is this is the legs that Destiny 2 needs to continue to play but that was before the new subclasses were coming out the you know the, the um, Icolus, uh, we didn't really know how dominant Icolus shotgun was, and Well of Radiance, and Sinsothefts, and melting points, and things like that. But none of that stuff was in control, and all of a sudden you're against a, a, a stack of four, and you just get decimated in Gambit because they can kill their boss in ten seconds. You know. Yeah, and yeah. people had like 
you know, worries about that on Fireteam chat, I believe. And, they... you know, interestingly, if you look at Gambit Prime, in a way they kind of solved that issue as far as being able to just melt the boss because you have to go through stages where you have to kill the primeval or kill the... Uh, the envoys. The yeah. envoys before you're able to do damage on the boss, and then you get this buff that allows you to do more damage on the primeval boss, and then you can kill it. And I have seen situations where a team was way behind in moats, but even so, because the opposing team wasn't able to take down their primeval strategically enough, we were able to catch up and win the match. So it didn't feel like if you're losing, you're not even going to win, so what's the point of even making an effort? Yeah, but how long do you think that that's going to last? It it really depends on what they do with it, and if they add more maps to it. I think if they add more maps... if they Deep Six is coming next week. Yeah, we're getting another map this week, this weekend, I believe. So, But my concern is, have you seen um, a little bit that's been going around on YouTube and stuff like that? Have you guys equipped Warcliffe Coil yet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's deadly. And they're already two phasing them. They're they're essentially just hitting the boss with kinetic uh, ammo, like with primaries right now in the first envoy set. And then the second one, they all have like six or eight shots of a coil, and then the boss is just deleted. Yeah, I watched that glad video. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it's not just him. You know, like obviously they they you know uh, clan redeem is is obviously very elite at what they do and things like that, but. Um, it won't take very long before people understand that and stuff like that. And I think that you look at, you know, where there's, they, they sit there and they try to balance exotic power weapons and legendary power weapons. And I know like we might talk about the balance changes and stuff like that later, but they take, uh, you know, they nerf sleeper into the ground. They, you know, whether you want to, you know, like they took sleeper out of gambit because it was a problem. They're trying to take queen breaker out of gambit because it's a problem. But now you have Warcliffe coil in a PVE environment doing 160% additional damage. It's like fixing one problem, but you're introducing a whole new problem. So in one K in one K voices now buffs you all guns equipped by 25% inadvertently. I'm yes. sure that'll get fixed. But, you know, like, it's just like these things where it's like, you, I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that I want a balanced game. I don't expect a balanced, boring game because that's what a, that's what a game, a balanced game is, is boring. That's the crucible that we got at the very beginning of D2 was a very balanced, boring crucible. And it choked, and, um, you know, with all these changes and everything they've made to it. But I, I feel like there's just certain scenarios where we already knew that Warclip Coil was a good gun. And, and, a, and a good option, whether it was PvP or, you know, ad clearing and PvE and stuff like that. And now, like, the catalyst that you can have on it that allows your rockets to cluster tighter and you give it a damage buff when you're trying to make legendary power weapons more relevant, that's just, it's just not happening. That makes a ton of sense. And it kills invaders fast. Because <laughs> it already does well in PvP. Right. I mean, I like how the invasions can swing the matches now, though. Yeah, I mean, like, it guarantees, like, one invasion. Like, you, you, they, they stop the one cycle, which is very good because it does, you know, it gives it, you know it gives you a chance. Like you guys mentioned, like, there is a catch-up mechanic. The, your blockers, like, um, sucking, you know, like, taking moats out of the bank is a very interesting thing to where, you know, you have to have somebody pay attention to the blockers. And the Gambit Prime that we're playing right now, like, I'm really kind of holding judgment out because, like, you have to 
see what happens after tier one, tier two, and tier three of the of reckoning are out, and these these uh, these classes are there to where somebody can, you know, I think one of them says, abilities. yeah, like you you can if staying near the bank triggers health regeneration. There's um, the sentry can you know get multi kills and then ha- up to times five to do extra damage to taken. So you know like I think that you know like the 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 moat collector the collector class can collect twenty moats and while he's a collect- huge blocker yeah. over. Yeah. And while he's collecting moats, every time he picks up a moat, he gets an overshield. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yes. Yeah, so, so like as you're collecting moats, you pick up you you start to build an overshield. So like you could have your slayer out there like sh- you know using a scout rifle, using an auto rifle, using a you know heavy machine gun clearing ads and your collector running along the edge of the map scooping all these moats up, picking up an overshield at the same time. All of a sudden he has 20 moats and then you know, there's the other team sends one or two blockers, and your your sentry takes care of the blockers, and the bank's open. And he drops 20 moats in there, and he just goes back and swings it around and does it again. And then you have the, the your invader just waiting for the portal to open. All of a sudden, you know he's you know you drop in two sets of 20 moats in there, and then you drop you know, and then the the portal opens. You know, this would be interesting for tournaments. Yeah, and the, the, and the but- private matches that they're bringing will you know it could cause some of that and you know things like that, but. It's again, it's 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 a definition of like destiny, kind of almost running like 99 yards and stopping because there's not something that you queue into that you're gonna run this class because like it it might be frustrating in gambit to to they joke about it in the Vidoc, but like I don't want to play gambit with four people that are built for invading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't, but I don't want to play gambit with four people that are built for collecting either because you're gonna be fighting over moats. Yeah. So it's gonna be one of those things where solo queuing would be a challenge you know and i'm not you know i'm not expecting them to to you know figure it out i love the you know i've i'm an advocate of for non-matchmaking um i know we haven't really talked about it much at all yet today but you know the playing the reckoning like solo queuing into the reckoning kind of sucks <laughs> what do you think corn i think that it's the reckoning activity almost feels kind of like playing one of the forges when they first came out because you would queue in by yourself and it almost felt like the other players didn't really know what to do. There was no coordination. Almost like if you're playing a Gambit Prime match um, on on Tuesday. It almost felt like, okay, unless we had a full team, half the people just didn't know what they were doing and it was a frustrating experience. And I, I don't know what the answer is to fix that. and to. Wait. We got tier two coming tomorrow. Yeah, but so, what power level is that going to be at? A six seventy. They've said that. Yep. Yep, and tier three is going to be six ninety. And what power level are you guys right now? I have six fifty two point five. So how do you think you're going to feel tomorrow? Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to grind after the podcast. <laughs> uh, I may have to play a few raids to grind out some of that, some of the powerful engrams that I have. Luckily, I've only gotten a chance to play through... Uh, well, I grinded out to get the Oxygen SR3, so I didn't really get anything beyond a Nightfall Power Engram, and I think I turned in five of the uh, raid keys for The Last Wish, trying to get a thousand voices, but still, I cannot get it after about 35 attempts now. So, hopefully, I get it within the next couple tries that would be awesome uh, especially with how broken it, it is in uh, gambit it would be fun to test it out and uh, 
have some fun with it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just an interesting thing. Like, you're bringing something out three days later that's essentially uh, a raid level, a raid level like power thing that. But you're also like if you, once you complete that initial quest with the drifter of doing your weak moats in your um, in your bank, I can't think of the, thing, the name of the thing right now. Synthesizer. Um, synthesizer. Yeah, you can't make. You, I mean, you can keep making weak moats, but those are always going to be like a plus one drop, like a you right. know a, a gambit ability plus one. So in order for you to start getting plus twos, like you know, we need this, the blue bank. We need this yeah, one. you need the blue, and it needs to be six seventy. Like I can't like so I. I don't think I would go into um, into that content without a group of three other friends of mine that I can communicate with and, and work together to, to complete that. Because it's probably going to have a different mechanic, too. It's, it probably will. Yeah. Cool. And, you know, another option that I often choose to take is I go into a uh, LFG community if I can't find someone in my clan who's looking to play or if Shadow Price is on. I can go on LFG, and sometimes you'll be surprised. You can meet some pretty cool people along the way, and there are quite a few communities out there for finding people to get a more coordinated group to play some of the more coordinated activities that would be considered more of endgame, because I'm pretty sure Tier 3 of The Reckoning is going to require for you to have a full team working together, and that's kind of an intended thing for them to make it feel like an endgame activity. And I'm sure the drops will hopefully uh, reward us accordingly with the efforts that we put in. Yeah, um, I mean, my only concern with that is, like, so you, you compare, you know, the Reckoning to the Forges. And the Forges were an easy enough, and essentially an easy enough concept once you were on level with, or even a slightly below level with to figure it out. There are strategies that were figured out you, know, you had to throw the you know throw the the orbs into the into the forge and get you know clear waves of enemies and things like that but it'll be interesting to see how diverse the mechanics are in the reckoning because with public matchmaking I think when you do public matchmaking I think you have you cannot have elite level mechanics in public matchmaking like could you imagine trying to do to shoot Riven's eyes with public matchmaking yeah, I mean, the interesting thing that I, that I see that they're doing is they're changing in the modifiers every day. I do like that. It keeps it a little f- fresh, keeps it more fresh, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, the modifiers are good, Like, but then I think that they've kind of, Destiny has somewhat trained their community to not necessarily pay attention to the modifiers as, as much. I mean, Void Burn help, you know, Void Singe helps, but it, not as much as it, it's not as impactful as it was in Destiny 1 when it was Void Burn. When, you know, like, I'm still, as a Titan, I'm still running hammers in Melting Point because the DPS is better than any Void ability that I have as a Titan. Yeah. Yeah, and you make a really good point, Dave. It does make sense that if you're going to introduce matchmaking into an activity, then you have to make an activity where you are able to sustain that. Maybe not so much on day one because you're learning the new mechanics of whatever you're playing, so it's going to be a little challenging. But after that first hump, you want to be able to just go in it and everybody knows what to do and you're able to just go in and beat it. For something that's going to be considered endgame, maybe for them not to have matchmaking would make more sense. So maybe have Tier 1 have matchmaking, but then Tier 2 and 3 
be only available if you have a full squad of four people, for example. Or they need to add some kind of filter system where it allows you to select light levels that you're looking for. <clears throat> okay, I like that. How do you and think a mic. They would, how yeah. do you think they would be able to accomplish that effectively? I think it's there's other games that have done it before where you just have filters. Um, you have you know like you have like there just was like you, on the, yeah. yeah just like you set up a private match like oh turn heavy on turn heavy off turn special on turn mayhem on turn mayhem off like okay. light level you know five six you know six forty or six you know six fifty microphone yes I mean you you can obviously like can't make somebody talk you know but at least that you know that they could possibly hear you yeah because there was a those kind of filters on the old LFG if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, they, and some LFG sites still have those kind of things where you can, you know, you can list certain things that you want and stuff like that. And I know that, you know, part of the the weapon balancing and everything that came was they were tired of hearing, you know, must have Gallowhorn and things like that. But, you know, at the same time, like that's gonna happen, like regardless, you know, because it's already, you know, like fighting Riven in an LFG. If you look at some of the LFGs, like must have Black Spindle or Whisper the Worm, sorry, must have Whisper. You know, even fighting the, you know, the, the Scourge of the Past boss, you know, must have Thunderlord, must have Whisper. Like there's, there's requirements, or there's people are still asking for, you know, ridiculous things like must have 25 completions to I want to I want to speed run my raids, you know, and that was something that I always like I tried to get away from. Um, mm-hmm when I was helping people with raids or helping people kill Skolas for as many freaking times as I, as I beat Skolas and help people beat Skolas. I think in the month of August that year for moments of triumph, I, I, me and my friend Johnny put Skolas down 60 or 70 times. Wow. Wow. That, that was an encounter in the beginning. I'll tell you. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, and it's, it's just an interesting thing there where like you didn't need certain things. Like I, I, you, you, you relied on your friends. Like I knew, like I knew what Johnny was going to do when I needed him to do it. And, you know, and I could, we could carry a third person, but they still had to carry their weight. Like, I never really let anybody just not do anything. Um, and they, they became better. And the, the thing that I think Destiny 2 is lacking is, and they've, they've, they've overcorrected it, is that there's nothing, and that's part of the reason I really haven't beat Scourge of the Past, because other than threat level, there's really no weapon I want from there that I have to have. There's no, there's no Fate Bringer. There's no, you know, Oversoul Edict. There's no, you know, Black Hammer and, you know, Hunger of Crota. Like, there's none of that anymore. Yeah. The raid weapons don't really feel quite as special, and maybe making Thousand Voices more powerful will inadvertently make it that pinnacle weapon that it was intended to be, I hope, because that was ultimately the best weapon you can obtain from the most challenging activity at the time that Forsaken came out, which was the last Wish Raid. But even then, like, it, it was, it used to be the, you know, I'm chasing Gallahorn because I need it to, to help. It, it doesn't, it wasn't like a must-have for content. It but it was, yeah, <laughs> but it helped, it, it helped you get through content better, you know, if you had it and things like that. Like, if you're shooting six Gallahorns, and I know that the concern of, like, weapons and light Gallahorn can't be the only option all the time, you know, and but it's it's turning into, you know, Well of Radiance and, you know, whatever else. Well of Radiance, war, today, this week's meta is Well of Radiance, Warcliffe Coil. You know, and it, it, it'll change, obviously, and it can change. Um, and that's why I like they ch- that they changed so many things in the patch notes. There There's so many things that they changed to try to, you know, rebalance things. So, I mean, yes, strategies are going to adopt. People are always going to find the easiest way to do things in the fastest way. It's just, you know, the nature of the beast. Well, and, and I'm okay with that. I mean, I did the, you know, I, I killed Kuroda standing on the ledge, 
you know, with the, the Titan popping the bubble on the edge, and I killed Atheon with doing the bubble bubbles middle strategy on the middle island, like, you know, like we did all that. You know, we killed Skolas, and, you know, we did, you know, we fought orcs for a little while. We fought orcs from up on top of the pedestals and things like that. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, those, I feel like that those are strategies, and, and having certain weapons there, like, you know, but... At the same time, like the, the the time and the effort needs to be rewarded, and and I don't know how to fix that anymore. You know, like like random rolls can't always fix it because my con- my concern with random rolls is and it's getting it looks like it might be getting fixed a little bit now with um the content that they released with the new perks, but it was like oh random rolls are coming and like if we don't get unique perks, then everybody's gonna want you know kill clip and outlaw and rampage, which is pretty much what they wanted. So. <clears throat> I think there, Bungie is in a really, you know, challenging spot because there's only so much they can deliver to us and so many different changes that they're able to make, whether it be because of the way that the core foundation of the game was built or because of the limited resources they have because they are obviously working on the next thing that they're going to be releasing, you know, in the fall and hopefully down the road after that and Destiny 3, so they have a really delicate challenge to balance, you know, the player base today, but also make sure they're staying on course with what they're doing for the next release and the release after that, because that's always on the mind of game developers, and that's part of, you know, releasing content that we can all enjoy playing. Now more than ever in that studio because they they're working on three big three releases basically like season of opulence well that's Vicarious Visions I forgot they're doing that one season of opulence but yeah obviously they're gonna be working on stuff for the fall and Destiny three like we know Luke Smith and his team are working on Destiny three so it's yeah. that's a foregone conclusion. Before we dive into the patch notes, um, I do want to ask Dave what is your favorite game on the PlayStation of all time? Uh, it's it's probably Uncharted 2. Like that's the one that kind of, you know, got me, you know, into back into playing games at the time like for for a little while. Um, I played Uncharted 2. It was yeah, it was 2 and then I played 3 and then I went back and played 1. So that's the I mean, I saying Destiny, it feels like it just feels like a big cop out. It's the game that I put the most time into over the last couple of years. But I feel like the games that, that has the most impact with me is is the Uncharted and Un- Uncharted Two in particular, and then the Uncharted series. That is like an action movie, like <laughs> through and through. Like, what story is really cool. I, I I like that game a lot myself. I'm still working through it. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. The storytelling and the the Indiana Jones meets Tomb Raider, you know, like all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. I know Shadow Price has uh, Metal Gear Solid, right? That's your favorite game for the PlayStation. That is, that yeah, I, can, my, I can never get into those. Like I tried. That is my favorite game of all time out of all consoles. Is uh, Metal Gear Solid? Yep. I'm a, I was a Zelda kid though. I mean, I'm 35 years old, like I said, and like Link to the Past had a huge impact on it with me. I've got a brother that's 10 years Absolutely. older than me, and, and playing video games with my brother. And I'm I'm just a sports fanatic, sports junkie. Like MLB The Show and Tecmo Baseball and Super Tecmo Bowl and like Maddens and, and when the NCAA football games were out and you could build dynasties and recruit and have private leagues and online dynasties and stuff like that. Like I was just a huge sports junkie. 
Still am. Same, same. Yeah, I remember when I had MLB the show. I wanted, I think it was 2012. I played that for a whole summer one yeah. year. Do you guys remember NBA Jam? Yeah. Oh, I, oh yeah. Absolutely. That was, that was that was a lot of fun. I remember playing that in the arcades when I before it came out to the consoles. Yeah. And having a lot of fun with that. Now you mentioned Zelda. Have you played Zelda Breath of the Wild, Dave? Uh, I do not own a Switch. Oh, you don't? Okay. No. It's probably going to be in the future. Um, I have a three-year-old, so like I'm sure it's going to you know, eventually happen and stuff like that. Um, it's just kind of one of the things where with the Switch, I was in a little bit of the wait-and-see mode, and then like now, like now, right now I'm like, okay, I see what I want. You know, Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey and some of these other big games and stuff like that. And I'm like, I see what I want, um, but it's just going to be a matter of when I can get it. I'm kind of waiting for I, the Switch 2.0 version is probably coming out. Which might drop the original price of the regular of the older Switch, and that might, you know, because I don't really care about like form factor or anything like that. I probably will never use it as a handheld. I'm not a huge handheld gamer guy, um, so like the form factor of like the, the first Switch is fine for me. But it's it's on my list. Like I, the Breath of the Wild is one of the first is the first Zelda game that I have had not beaten within a year of the game coming out. I mean, I even had like Skyward Sword and stuff like that on the Wii and all that stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, and periodically they have some pretty good deals on uh, Nintendo Switch. You can get one for as low as, I think I've seen it for like $230. So if you're ever interested, I can maybe shoot you a link uh, on Twitter. If you're yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to check it out. I mean, I'm hoping for some kind of price drop on the holidays, maybe to get it around under 200 maybe. You know, but it's also, I know it's a Nintendo system, so like they don't go down in price that often. Yeah. We got our Nintendo Switch on day one with uh, Breath of the Wild and it it's one of the most incredible games that I've played uh, besides it, Destiny of course for me it sold the switch i mean it, it's it, all that was there at launch it's yeah. one of the best it's one of the best was, launch games of all and time it was the only game that launched yeah. with it besides crickets yep. <laughs> <laughs> but i believe they sold more copies of the game than they sold consoles, which was the they funny did. thing yeah. the beginning the whole yep. situation. Well, it was on it was on Wii U, right? Yes, it's it, on Wii U. It did come yeah. out for the Wii U as well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on games like Anthem, Apex Legends, and the upcoming The Division 2? Um, I have Anthem. Um, I've played. I've completed the campaign of Anthem. Um, it's good. It's a lot of fun. It's a different dynamic to it. Um, it's. I feel like the the loot pool in Anthem is a little shallow. Um, it's again. It's the same thing. It's the return on investment for me of like, why am I doing something to you know to hopefully get stronger? And you definitely feel like you get stronger in Anthem. What I don't like about Anthem right now, other than the connectivity issues. Um, and that's beside the alleged breaking of consoles, like they, whatever. Like that's there's bigger problems with your system if it's than just Anthem. Anthem is not causing your PlayStation to to die. Um, but uh, um, my thing with Anthem is that you can get the same ability at a level five and a level fifteen, a level twenty five and a level thirty, or or at a masterwork or a legendary level. And it just has a couple of other percentage rolls. It's a it's a build game, but the problem that I have with it is that you find out what you like and what works well for you and what combos well for you, and you could stick with that ability. Like you might not get the roll you want, but then eventually, if you complete challenges, you can just get enough materials and continue to craft things. I understand what they were trying to accomplish. I just don't like it. 
because I don't think it changes your it changes anything up. You know, it's just like, oh, I just want this in a blue level, and now I have it in a I, I now I have it in a in a purple level and a yellow level, and you know, and and then it has the extra 300 damage to this, which is fine. Like if you're trying to to build something around that, but I just don't feel like that has the longevity to it. Um, I respect Apex. I've played it a few times with with one of my co-hosts and a couple of my friends and stuff like that. I'm just not a really big Battle Royale guy. I love the Titanfall feel to the game. Um, And um, I'm very intrigued about the continuation for for Division 2. I got extensive hands-on time with that uh, a couple weeks ago um, that I wrote up on our site for. Um, I'm more interested in this in the story, uh, the continuation of the story of the outbreak in DC and things like that, and how they're gonna to move that along. And I'm, but I'm also still concerned about their end game as well because even in the private beta, we got to play you know a couple end game missions, and it, it just feels very you know it's again it's match made end game content, so the mechanics aren't aren't deep. Um, I, obviously, I haven't seen their eight player raid or anything to that extent yet, so I can't I don't really know anything about that, but I'm just, it's going to be fun. And, you know, I, I reviewed Division 1 and I played it, played through the story, enjoyed it, loved it. Got to a point where they hadn't released any of the additional content, um, longer endgame content, and I stepped away from the Division and I never went back. Um, so I'm really going to be curious to see how they can, you know, like this episodic stuff that they're, you know, they're, they're teasing and showing and the, um, early access to it or you know having it be free you know to, to all players it be free is, is interesting I just hope that it can deliver um, Anthem needs to, to produce prestige end game content quickly May is too late their cataclysm cannot come in May it needs to come before then <laughs> yeah um, I know you touched on it on you know Anthem and it's connectivity issues and seem to be shutting down people's PS4s. Like, I mean, not everybody's having the bricking issue, but a lot of people are having the crashing issue. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's set my console to the blue screen multiple times. But to be fair, Destiny has before as well, but just not, Anthem's doing it much more often right now. Right. And I'm just wondering, what could it be in that game that's doing that? Frostbite. <laughs> oh. It's running too, there's too many things going on. Like, or Bioware is not as comfortable with Frostbite as as Dice is, you know, because EA forces. I mean, that's my opinion. EA forces Frostbite on their studios. So it's like a coding problem. Absolutely, like it's just not you know not comfortable with the depth of the of the engine and things like that. Um, it could be you know because you look at something. There's it, a lot of people like, oh, it's EA. I'm like, yeah, well, Apex doesn't cause my system to crash right apex, apex is not on frostbite correct it's not on frostbite because respawn is it's but it's to believe that respawn was working on that before ea purchased them yeah i mean it sounds like there's a lot of demanding textures in that game yeah the game is gorgeous like it's in and you know but too much for me the pacing in the game is, is problematic like um too much load screens and people are like, well, you have all these load screens in Destiny. I'm like, yeah, but at least in the load screens in Destiny, I can mess with things and change things and delete things and read things. And right, and now we have just looking yeah. at a screen, waiting for the progress bar to go across. <laughs> yeah, 
I have some more thoughts, but I want Corn to get in um, here. And... From from my knowledge, as far as the Frostbite engine, the games that run on Frostbite are Battlefield Five, FIFA nineteen, and Madden NFL twenty nineteen. Battlefront. Battlefront. Battlefront two. Battlefront two. Yep. There's. I mean, there's a lot of games over the years, but and pretty you... much any new EA game. Yep. Yeah. Anthem, yep. But I expect Andromeda. I, I think what Anthem is doing in terms of its its open world feel versus what FIFA does in a closed environment that loads into the stadium that you're playing in, or Madden that loads into the stadium that you're playing in. Um, you know, Death and Battlefield, Battlefield is, is Dice, who develops Battlefield, has been working with Frostbite the longest. Has yeah. have these issues impacted PC gamers at all? I don't think so. I don't think I heard of it. No, any I don't reports. think that is crashing people's PCs. I mean, they've had a lot of they had a lot of connectivity. sound issues. Yeah, they've sound had a lot of connectivity. They've had a lot of sound issues. Their their week zero didn't go very well either. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't understand how they were able to release that game in that you know fashion and everything. You know, I get it. Bugs happen all the time. But this is a triple A game. But it's almost inexcusable. In a, in a uh, okay, and my counter to that would be how did Rocksteady release An- uh, Arkham Asylum or Arkham City? Okay, touche. I know what you're talking about. I know what you it, mean by that. It was crushing PCs. Like, it was just destroying them. It was a horrible port. I yeah. Agree. You're right. You know, so it's just kind of one of those things where whatever whatever they sent to quality control got through Sony's or through all these people's quality controls and something happened within a patch. I will give credit to Bioware and EA, though. They are patching the hell out of that game rapidly. I mean, they're like, oh, there's a problem with loot, or we think there's a problem with crafting, we're hearing your feedback on Reddit, and we're going to fix it, and we're going to reduce it. And the counter to that is that Destiny is like, yeah, we're looking at these things, and you know, we know it's 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 Halloween 2018, and one-eyed mask is a problem, and now we'll have one-eyed mask fixed by Easter. <laughs> Hey, we got it done. <laughs> so it's like, you know, like, no, I, I, I appreciate that opinion. And, um, I just wanted to get your feedback on that. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they did refund, uh, players who purchased that Batman game for the PC. They did. And they are also doing that for Anthem players. The PlayStation is actually refunding players. So, uh, for some some players, Sony has like a one-time forgiveness thing, and if you've never really used your one-time forgiveness, they can you can you know like you can say hey this thing is causing my system to mess up, um, you know this that or the other, and they've started they have issued some refunds I've heard, but there are some people that have attempted to get refunds when they heard about this and are unable to like you can't like I just don't like it like you can't get that refund. So. Right. It's so it's so it's case by case basis. That's it's, my it's, understanding. Yeah. It's got to be frustrating for Sony, though, you know, for this to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, full disclosure, like, I didn't pay for my copy of Anthem. EA sent it to me. Um, so, like, I, I'm not sitting there. I'm re- I, re- I will review it on my podcast. Um, and, and they sent us multiple copies, and another one of our writers is reviewing it as well. Um, so, like, there are things that, you know, I need to disclose. Like, I don't – I haven't paid for Destiny in a long time. <laughs> and, hey. 
That's the perks. Those yeah. are the perks. <laughs> so, you know, like, I, and, uh, and a lot of people are like, well, you can't really speak to the value. I'm like, well, I can because, like, I understand the value and I understand, like, what it would or wouldn't be. But, you know, like, I'm enjoying Anthem. I just don't think Anthem has the legs. And I think that, you know, Destiny did something, you know, obviously did something very, very unique um, to, to, to engage their player base. And they continue to grow that player base. They've had their ups and downs and they've made their mistakes and they've overcorrected and then, then recorrected those corrections. And, um, you know, it's, it's just hard to tell. Like, I I love that they're trying things. Um, I just wish they would, I really just wish they would patch faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were the triple A game after Borderlands basically. So the boot game. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are some rumors about Borderlands, which I'm hoping they're true. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm, I'm really yeah, excited about it. PAX West. Yeah. Yeah, PAX East. Um, East, yeah. East. About, yep. Yes, that's that's going to be pretty uh, exciting to, to learn more about, hopefully. Now, last thing I want to ask about uh, the whole Anthem um, video game. Do you think that games like Anthem and The Division 2 will give Destiny a chance to exist throughout the next three months before the next big expansion hits? Or do you think the population will drop and continue to drop as these games potentially gain more popularity? I think that all depends on, with Season of Oculus, whatever this new six-man match-made activity is. Yeah. That that has to be on point, whatever it's going to be. Um, you know, like, it, they, you know, they tried something new with the forges and making your weapons and the some of the stuff they've done with the dawning. You can see... Um, you can see residual effects of the dawning in the season of the drifter with your, um, you know, with your synth, with making synths and your synthesizers and stuff like that. Um, you know, like you can see that the gear set, I think it's also going to matter of like how well this gear, this quote unquote gear set thing is received within the community. If it works, if it's worth wearing three pieces or four pieces, or is it only, is it, is it better to wear one of each piece and, you know, like things like that? Like it does it, will it really make an impact in Gambit to where they can see, like they can get data and see how much it's affecting Gambit and then maybe try to incorporate something like that into Crucible to where you almost have a class based hunter in Crucible or into raids where you have a class built warlock in a raid that's, you know, like you're, I think you're, you're seeing small, small glimpses of it in this with those new Titan arms that, you know, when you carry a sword as a Titan and you block, you do not use sword ammo as long as you have those exotic gauntlets on. So like you can be doing things like blocking the prime evil from damaging your, your team without, you know, taking, without losing any sword ammo. So you can almost kind of be like a tank you know, similar to how a Colossus does something to puts his shield up an Anthem and you res as a player, you know, like the Titan can stand in front of something and block the block the shots and res the player or allow somebody else to res them, you know, like double down on the Warlock's ability to heal and the things like um, for the, the Sentry class for Gambit where one of the things that it, you know, like where it says, you know, Light of the Defender, like, you and nearby allies are granted maximum resilience, mobility, and recovery while in the Well of Light that you're fighting in Gambit Prime. Um, you know, like, how is that, is how impactful is that going to be? Is it going to be worth it for me to, to, to put five pieces of armor on to get that Light of the Defender buff or to put three, four pieces of armor on and use a synth? You know, how, you know, to, to get that extra plus three points, 
You know, is it, am I going to be able to drain moats as an invader fast enough to where I can, you know, like stand at the bank for a second, take a bunch of moats before I get sniped? You know, like, is this, is it going to change the dynamic of Gambit enough to where Bungie wants to elaborate on, on that? That's a really interesting point. Yeah. I think they're trying a lot of things. They're trying to see, they're throwing things against the wall and see what's going to stick and see if they want to keep those things uh, and, and build on those things further as uh, into the new expansions and onto Destiny 3, because I'm hearing rumors that Destiny 3 is going to have a lot more RPG elements. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, we've been asking for gear sets for years, mm-hmm. and we're kind of getting them, but at the same time, like, they're reverting back to some of their D1 stuff where, you know, some people are complaining that you're kind of sacrificing fashion already. I have to wear this. But at the same time, I'm only wearing it when I play Gambit Prime, and it's only Gambit Prime perks. It's kind of going back to Vault of Glass and Dark Below, um, you know, Crota's End armor that gave you Oversoul perks or gave you, you know, extra damage against Vex or extra Oracle da- like Oracle Disruptors. Like, people forget about Oracle Disruptor on Fatebringer. Like, that was a reason, or on the Pulse Rifles. Like, that was a reason to have the raid weapons on in the raid. Like, you killed Oracles faster. You killed the Oversoul faster because you had that weapon on or you had some the, a helmet on that allowed you to do something different and they went away from that and now they're kind of going back to it and some of the player base is like well I don't want to wear that like well it's why you need transmog transmogification then that'll fix it it would but I understand the whole the, the counter to that in the crucible is I want to be able to look at somebody and know what I'm up against right I guess it, it it becomes a point where you can't really please everybody and you have to at some point draw the line between who this game's really for because you can't make this game appeal to every single player and make everybody happy with every single update and every single decision that you make as a game developer. You just can't. If they're targeting more of the hardcore player base who maybe want some of the old Destiny 1 elements to come back, like having specific perks and uh, favoring that over style or look, you know, I think that they might end up going in that direction, especially with how grindy the game has become since after Forsaken. And to be totally honest with you, in a first-person shooter, like, I don't care what I look like. Yeah. Me neither. I care what if it makes me change how I play. Like when when you when you when you have a gun with dragonfly, like a pulse rifle or something with dragonfly, you're paying more attention to your aim. You're trying to hit headshots because you're trying to get that perk to proc, versus it just having like feeding frenzy on it, where it's just I just need to get kills. Like I, you know, like I want things that make you change how you play. I mean, they can always also adapt a system where they have legendary emotes that or legendary ornaments excuse me that you mm-hmm. put on weapons and it could be a way that they can maybe even monetize on it a little bit more you know if you want to look a certain way you can but you might have to spend a little bit of silver to get there and if they have enough ornaments for enough of the more popular armor pieces or weapons in the game i think it could be a lucrative way for them to maybe make a little money and sustain the content a little bit more 
so that it feels like with every season we're getting more to do more things to see maybe a vendor refresh stuff like that yeah no i mean i i agree they they had a good thing going with the ornaments in in destiny one um and i feel like they stepped away from that they had a really good thing going with escalation protocol having its own unique weapon set and they went away from that in blind well so i just like they have really good ideas that could just be continued um not necessarily even expanded on just continued like if blind well had its own um weapon pool that maybe had a rare chance of dropping um or had ornaments that would do something that had a rare chance of dropping and might make the boring activity feel a little less boring <laughs> i, 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 I want an exotic shadow price <laughs> i love that gun myself yes I want an exotic shadow price. <laughs> and I'd like to, for them to bring back the icebreaker. I miss that gun so much. Ah, that's hard, man. Like, ammo regening. I mean, I would love to see Invective again, too, but like anything that regenerates ammo, like just. It's hard. It's Pocket hard. Infinity. <laughs> that's what I want. Back to. Bad Juju. Like I'm, I'm terrified of whatever, whatever they do with Thorn. Like, I mean, we've seen people have been talking about the perks of Thorn and stuff like that. Like, it's going to have a damage over time effect, and you know, like I, I saw some of that content where they asked about, am I going to be able to two tap and run away? And Lars is like, eh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Thorn. I, yeah. I love, I love using that weapon. I love when people hate it. Because it just it, it makes me laugh. I'm okay with laugh. like I'm okay with a gun having its 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 heyday for you know like for like three months or four months like the the seasonal content like the amount of stuff that they changed in the sandbox this week like is 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 cool you know like I think it's it's great. Um, they just need to do it more often. Like I, I feel like we don't I get agree. enough sandbox changes fast enough. Like I agree. Uh, you know, like I'm already seeing a little bit of like Jotun uh, being a problem, uh, whether it's in Gambit or in Crucible, or you know, like, and I'm not I'm not one of these people that wants to call for nerfs and stuff like that. I think there's a difference between balancing the game and nerfing a gun. Um, you know, when something is just a little ridiculous, um, it needs to be looked at and adjusted. And then people freak out about whenever they take Whisper reserve ammo from 20 to nine. I'm like, hit your crits. Like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> It's a skill weapon. It's a skill weapon, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. So, let's talk about patch notes. We have a whole new update in version 2.2.0, and there's so much to cover on this new update that we got with Season of the Drifter. So, let's talk about that. We have quite a few things. We have tower changes. We have the Drifter now having been relocated to a new location so i do encourage if you are playing destiny go find the drifter i'm sure you can find him he is in a new place in the tower uh i will give you a hint it's in the annex (laughs) um also we have quite a few clan changes that are taking place with this update uh daily clan bounties have been retired so I'm sorry if you enjoyed them. They're gone. They got retired because people stacked them. It also because I did. It, it <laughs> felt kind of grindy. I definitely stacked them, and I'm I'm actually working on my uh, what is it? 
So I have like 15 Crucible bounties stacked because I'm waiting for that quest step for me to be able to turn them in. Just side note. With um, you have room for all that. <laughs> it it's did you challenge. reset your valor five times? Oh yeah, I've done it okay. like nine times at this point. So what step are you on? I am working on uh, that single player activity, Rumble. Oh, okay. I don't play Rumble. I you have to just complete like twenty matches of Rumble, don't you? Yeah, twenty five actually. Yeah. 25 rumble matches, 25 competitive matches, and 25 quick play matches. Yeah. I've done a lot of competitive. I did get my Luna's Howl, but uh, did not get the Not Forgotten. Yeah, I can't play Count. It's it's not fun. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Definitely was not fun. Um, so back to clan changes. Um, they did also change the system of how you earn XP where now any activity that you play in the game you do earn XP in the process um, also weekly bounties have been renamed to Hawthorne's bounties and there are new perk tiers that were introduced with this update for level 2 you have increased public event rewards for tier 3 you have mod components for weekly bounty completions, for tier 4, clan uh, vendor challenge awards enhancement cores, for tier 5, you have increased drop rates of crucible and strike catalyst if you don't have any that you are currently missing. Um, for tier 6, you have additional weekly bounty that becomes unlocked for you. Any thoughts on these changes? I think any way to get masterwork or to masterwork cores and mod components is great. Yeah, and catalysts. No. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about the catalysts because I am missing a few of them that uh, I would like to get in the game. So that's really a nice change. I didn't really struggle with the enhancement cores in the game. It's weird. For some reason, I have like 200 on my character right now somehow. So it's never been a problem for me throughout the game. And I know a lot of people have complained about it being an issue. And they have tried to create new avenues for you to acquire um, enhancement cores and masterwork cores in the game. Yeah. I mean, if they take it out of infusing, that probably would solve some of it. <laughs> Because, like, that's a problem. <laughs> it takes so much to infuse stuff, and when you're trying to make something a masterwork and everything, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like that making an infusion decision is is um, impactful, but at the same time, like, there just needs to be a better, you know, whether it's purchasing them other than spiders ripping you off after you buy two a day or whatever, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't get that aspect of it. Yeah, they, you, you can also use the finest matter weaves. Like playing Gambit more, I'll probably use the finest matter weaves after when I'm playing a match, just to get yeah. some more cores. Definitely. And also, we have a number of changes that are taking place with the sandbox in this update. A lot of weapon changes. Uh, first up, we have shotguns. 
we have a number of things with that for full auto trigger system rate of fire it's been reduced from 10% from 100% you also are no longer granted shotgun pallet spread damage has been increased in PVE by two times the base damage has been reduced for shotguns and there are a number of rate of fire changes for aggressive frames they are bumped up to 55 rpm up from 45 for precision frame it is at 65 up from 55 lightweight frames remain at 80 rpm rapid fire frames are at 140 rpm down from 200 rpm uh, the chaperone is being increased to 70 rpm from 60 rpm a tractor cannon is being uh, dropped from 80 rpm previously being at 84 rpm and legend of acrius is being increased from 45 rpm to now 55 rpm do you guys yeah. use shotguns <laughs> Um, I do. I do enjoy shotguns, um, especially in PvP uh, for me, just because like I'm not a, the greatest with my aim. So, But, I mean, these changes are necessary. So, in terms of balancing it, you know, it, the the full auto thing was interesting to where it was like, there, obviously their data showed that if you didn't have a full auto shotgun, then people just didn't use it. Yeah, they weren't given any other shotguns to look. Um, it was pretty much Icolos, like all the way everything so it's nice that they buffed a lot of these you know and brought down the ones that were a little too hot <laughs> yeah and you know the Igolos shotgun it is my favorite shotgun in the game maybe i just got really spoiled by it where it became kind of the go-to no matter what you're playing whether you're playing crucible or whether you're playing pve whether you're in a raid it became a very useful all-around tool and I have noticed that it feels a little more clunky and a little more slow to react than how it was last week before the update mm-hmm yeah because it's, it's firing slower so yeah so we also have submachine guns the base damage has been increased for this weapon type and precision damage has been decreased slightly do you guys like SMGs at all in the game? Not recently. I mean, I I had my time where I was using any, you know, <coughs> things like that. But um, I did get a a new SMG today from Gambit, the, like the the bug and run or something. Um, bug out bag. Yeah, and that one came with like the multi kill clip, where it's like based on like it getting um it it was the curated role of it, um so oh, it had cool. like getting multiple kills or something like that. So it, it, it was interesting. And then that new, you know, Crucible Pinnacle weapon um, has that other perk on it where, it, like, any kill buffs damage for this one. Yeah, so the curated bug-out bag comes with slideways and multi-kill clip along with a, um, a reload speed masterwork. I did get that one as well. Um, I tried using it. I didn't really have too much success with it. Um, but maybe I just need to give it a little bit more time and practice and maybe yeah it's yeah smgs are you know like it, i think it's just like anything else like it's just there's always that learning curve of like trying to control the weapon or get get comfortable with the recoil or the range and yeah and i see why they made the change because now 
that the base damage increase, you can hose people down with them more instead of trying to aim for their head because it's right. more you want to aim center of mass usually with those. And then we have machine guns. Uh, the ammo bonus reserves have been reduced by half, and damage against bosses and mini-bosses have been reduced by 21% for machine guns. Can't really uh, see it. <laughs> I don't see it either. Yeah, I'm still I'm not having any any problems with like holding Thunderlord ammo or Hammerhead ammo the little bit that I've been playing. Um, so I'm not really feeling that one. So obviously, like, there, you know... I, you know, mowing down a boss with Thunderlord or Hammerhead with a Rally Barricade or Luna Faction boots and stuff like that in a rift, like, it, it was getting a little crazy. But, you know, just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of machine guns in Destiny 2, especially since the Hammerhead came out and then we got Thunderlord. So between those two, I find a machine gun that I really enjoy using. And I personally feel at least in gambit prime that weapon is dealing a ton of damage both against ads against the envoys and against the invader as well so if there was some kind of intended buff i'm not seeing it with this update yeah um and then it's the things that i'm hearing about the 21 percent delirium is just going to be make it even more dominant so yeah yeah, that thing's got crazy ammo. And, I mean, I, I would just like to see more machine guns. Like, we, we have very so very few of them right now. Agreed. Agreed. That would be pretty awesome. If we got maybe a new exotic machine gun, that would be nice. I would really appreciate that. And then we also have trace rifles. Uh, PVE damage has been increased by 30%, and that is the only update with that. I personally don't use trace rifles. Do you guys use trace rifles? I did in um, Leviathan at Callus. Uh, yeah, Cold Heart. Um, and then the I've seen a little bit of the Solar one. I can't think of the name right now. Um, it's not Polaris Lance, but uh, I can't think of it either. I know yeah. what it is, and I can't. <laughs> um, so like, there's been a couple of things that I've seen a little bit of that today, but we'll have to see. I mean, the problem with trace rifles has always been the ammo. So. And then there's the wave splitter on. PlayStation. Correct, yeah. And that one got tweaked a little bit. That needed some tweaking. That thing's time to kill was a little ridiculous. So. Ah, Prometheus Lens. Yeah. Oh, okay. Prometheus Lens, yeah. Thank you, Dim. <clears throat> now, for grenade launchers, PVE damage has been increased by 25%. Reserve ammo has been increased for most grenade launchers. And uh, it will now have three rounds in reserve. And magazine perks don't affect ammo reserves with grenade launchers. Well, I love grenade launchers, especially Edge Transit. <laughs> Just I use them in PvP. I use play of the game. And that's about it. Sometimes Colony, when I feel lazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think they're trying to, you know, make it more of a PVE viable option. That's all. So. Yeah, I don't really notice too much changes to that in PvP. Although, I don't generally use grenade launchers too much because I'm not very good with them. So, maybe if I get better down the road, I'll use them a little bit more. 
Uh, for rocket launchers, we have PVE damage has been increased by 60 to 65 percent. However, cluster bomb damage has been decreased by 80 percent. Which uh, is so that yeah. is, it's still pretty good against Riven. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. I so. think that they just it kind of like the full auto shotgun. It felt like you know cluster bomber bust as a perk on a rocket launcher. So I think that's what they were trying to you know prevent. So now you could like a field prep. You know, uh, tracking is a viable option. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I had a bad omens with cluster and tracking, and that was like the god roll to have. And now I might have to seek out a new bad omens. Like the poem I roar the bear. Oh wow, <laughs> you're throwing out some names out there. Yeah, it's the Iron Banner rocket launcher. Yeah. yeah. Now for linear fusion rifles, PVE damage has been increased by ten percent, and the aim assist has been reduced. Also, aim assist bonus damage from combat site scope has been removed as well for linear R- yeah, r- removed <laughs> like that's a big that's a pretty interesting word for a linear fusion rifle they've had aim assist problems and they just removed aim assist <laughs> from a certain scope yeah i mean the thing with uh queen breaker was kind of yeah that was kind of a problem with that <laughs> so yeah i mean i don't use them that much uh, I, I should start. I should use them more because it is a precision weapon, and I do like precision weapons. But I, I'm more of a sniper. I like snipers. More, I think. Yeah, I used the sleeper before, but I don't really use had, it too often. Yeah. I had success with like a Tarantella. I can't think of the name of it right now. The gunsmith sells a Kirkland. Yeah, like that one's usually pretty good um, in terms of, but it's. You know, like you said, it doesn't, you know, it's not going to outdo like a, you know, up close and personal shotgun or a, uh, you know, like a sniper. Like you get a good sniper going, you know, that, you know, the forge sniper, you know, like they just do some crazy damage. I wish they would put box breathing back to how it was. So Yeah, I yeah. actually have a really good bite of the fox with box breathing and snapshot. So I was pretty excited when I got that. So also for two-tailed fox, PVE damage has been increased by 26%. For 1,000 voices, PVE damage has been increased by 25%. For Wardcliffe coil, PVE damage has been increased by 115% against bosses. And it is up from... 160% or it's up to 160% plus damage for others for other uh, enemies co- enemy combatant yeah it's uh, crazy powerful right now yeah it's ridiculous like people have been getting that oxygen scout rifle they've been speed running strikes with arc burn and stuff like that in coil especially because you know like strange terrain and since it hurts the boss so fast you know and it's, it does extra damage to bosses and and then it's also that's affecting Gambit because they're considered to be bosses. So that's probably going to catch a nerf in the next uh, sandbox update. <laughs> probably they, in the next yeah. six months. You're giving them a little bit too much credit there. Well, they only let Titans do that infinite, you know, <laughs> smash for like a month. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, they only let him play with that for a month. You're right. And then yeah, they're already tuning it back. They're already tuning it back. Well, that thing would have broken Gambit Prime. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. They had no choice. Yep. What are your thoughts on Thousand Voices getting a PVE damage? Um, I mean, I'm, I, they, they, Thousand Voices had some issues just in general because of um, like the frame rate issue. Like you guys were getting, like it was doing something different for you guys than it was for you know console players and stuff like that because of the, how the frames were working and stuff like that. So it was doing like million point of damage because of the frames. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just one of those guns again. Like I don't have it. Um, I've raided a handful of times. I haven't been lucky enough. Like you know, similar to you, corn. Um, but like it's just kind of one of those things where they're gonna keep messing with it. But right now it's buffing any other. If you have it equipped, it, it's buffing your energy and your kinetic weapon as well. Yeah, I have yet to get it, but I'm I'm really hoping that in the next couple runs that I do, I will be so lucky to a chance to use it because uh it would be cool shadow price you have it right mm-hmm. have you had a chance to use the thousand voices in gambit uh i've used it a little bit yep in gambit what are your thoughts on that um i don't notice too much of a difference because i didn't use it for a while i used it when the frame counts were crazy and the thing was like doing like like i said a million points of damage <laughs> and everything um so they had to, you know, when they fixed the frame issue, like, kind of the damage got brought into line where it should be. And then they buffed it because they had, it got brought down so much. You know, it, it's it's all, it's good. It's it's a good weapon. You know, I, I, I can get some kills with it. I hear it's really good against invaders and uh, just PvP combat in Gambit. Yeah, it's just... Standard you just charge up, spray huge a hallway, and yeah. the explosions will kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the burn damage and just the, the AOE damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, also, they did a small change to the tyranny of heaven. It can also now drop with random perks. That is a big deal. I'm sure everybody's really oh, excited about that. It's a that. bow, right? It is the bow. Yes. Yeah, because it all all the way it just dropped as a curated roll before, but now it can drop with range. Oh, is that the raid one? Yeah, it's the raid one and, okay. and the yeah. last wish raid. It's part of what I don't have <laughs> from the collections for that. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's not something I would go back and use on a general basis unless I don't have anything else. It's pretty good during a nightfall, actually. Uh, actually, bows are actually much better than you would think when you take them into a nightfall activity. Yeah, they're just a pace weapon, similar to the kind of like snipers or in and certain hand cannons. You just have to have a, a, a rhythm with them, and yeah. I don't always have a rhythm. So They're, they're very slow-paced, so that's the one drawback to using a bow. No pun intended. Right? Uh, also, <laughs> general fixes were done to a number of things, including Trinity Goal, where the lightning rod perk... Uh, arc effect, rapid hit perk, swords, and bows were uh, fixed. Uh, the Yotan recharge was fixed. The long shadow, ace of spades, UI changes, and other various fixes took place. You can read all about that in the patch notes for update 2.2.0. But uh, let's talk about abilities now. The Titan had a small change 
done to the subclass where the maximum speed uh, was reduced for PC macros. The uh, code of judgment uh, energy has been reduced from 100% to 30%, so it was reduced, and uh, there was a fix to the code of judgment. So no more Titan skating on PC. Yeah. Yep. Um, also for the Warlock, there was a fix where handheld supernova, uh, they fixed handheld supernova while invading in Gambit. Don't really remember that being a problem, but I don't know what what, what that, it was. that was a pro- that's a problem in Crucible. <laughs> that thing is like nuts. Like literally, just it was it would take out two to three people if you were anywhere in the vicinity of it. Yeah, I mean they've already kind of nerfed Nova Warp into the ground. So yeah, they did. <laughs> yep, and they do have some more armor changes. Uh, year two armor will now have random stat packages and one eyed mask <laughs> duration has been reduced from 15 seconds to 8 seconds no auto health restore and it cannot be triggered while you are in super all good things all necessary things for it so. yeah yeah that thing was still uh, leaving it's, it still has viability but it's not overpowered so I agree that it's been a long time coming for them to fix OEM because trying to get a Lunas Howl in comp, oh man, the entire Crucible playlist was infested with OEM's Lunas Howls because everybody was grinding out for their Not Forgotten's. And the thing with that is with the OEM and the Titan macro skating, it just made it like like very... Very rage-inducing. Yeah, they definitely, like, they essentially changed the entire playstyle of a one-eyed mass shotgun warrior titan. Yeah. (laughs) Now when people, like, jump at me with shotguns, I mow them down before they get to me. So, it's it's lovely. (laughs) Now, also for Kepri's Horn, there were a number of changes. Increased class energy from solar damage from 10% to 15%. And the cooldown has been reduced from two seconds to one second. Also, the damage from ground flow has been increased uh, to 100%, up from 80%, and damage from ground flow doubled in PvE activities. Additionally, with Vesper of Radius, we have a damage increase from 70% to 100%, and also the damage has been tripled in PvE activities. As what well, does that exotic do again? Which one? Vesper, Vesper of Radius. Of Radius. That's the Warlock chest piece. Um, it's a Warlock... Uh, I think it has to do with the Rift, I believe. I think it, yeah, it gives you more... It gives you Rift energy back if you or your teammates get kills in the Rift. Oh. So you're going to get more... You're going to do more damage? The official perk is called Planetary Torret, and it states, Rift releases an arc shockwave when cast. Rift energy recharges oh, faster that, that one. Yeah, yeah, when yeah, you that are one. surrounded by enemies. Oh, so that's going to be tripled in PvE. Yeah. You, you put a Rift down, and it puts out like an AoE. Oh, people are going to start using that now, I bet. 
it could, you know, give it so more could, play. You, yeah, you might see it in Crucible. They'll drop like a healing rift when somebody's near them or something like that, and then it'll just, just waste that <laughs> that opponent. <Yeah. laughs> what happened? I didn't get shot by a gun. <laughs> yeah. And a uh, few more changes to exotics. We have the sealed Humkar's grasps, the procs from smoke bomb damage. Yeah, you can yeah, get the perk. It just, yeah, yeah, it didn't. It used to. It, the perk didn't proc on smoke. Uh, okay, right. And then for uh, Ursa Furiosa, it no longer counts self damage to void shield. And for, finally, for Antius wards, which I still don't have. They fixed improved slide not being applied. Yeah, so I was like Ursa, making it use slide shorter, I thought people were saying. It felt like. So, so the self damage was, what are they throwing a grenade at, the, at themselves to like damage the shield? Is that Yeah, how, to, to, to proc damage to make it, you know, because it's, you know, like if you, when you're, if you're blocking and uh, you, you take damage, you, it recharges your super. Ah, uh, so they probably threw a grenade. At the yeah. ground and then stood in it with their shield up in it. Yeah, uh, similar to how people were activating like Arc Conductor and stuff like that on Risk Runner. Oh. Uh, tricky. <laughs> That's tricky really interesting. And then for rewards, we have quite a few changes as well with uh, the season of the Drifter. The power cap has been increased to 700 now. Uh, power bounties cap at the current season's max power. So if you do have any bounties that were left over or any uh, engrams that were at 650, they're going to remain at 650. They're not going to drop any higher than 650 if you did acquire it last season, which makes sense. Uh, also, Iron Banner bounties have been expired now, so if you still have any left over your SOL, but I... Yeah, they're just, they're gone. Possible. Yeah, they're gone. They're out of your inventory yeah. completely. Um, ethereal keys have been capped at a maximum of five, although there is a way to get more if you are maxed out on your materials, on your character. It goes into your postmaster, and it does not count against that five, and I know because I tried it personally. Also, in the Crucible, there were a number of changes that took place. There was an updated Valor Glory emblem to track the current season's rank. So if you have any emblems that you acquired from before, they will be reset to the new seasonal rankings. And your old seasonal rankings will be tracked as part of the Triumphs. Yeah. They seem like they moved a lot of stuff into the triumphs this season, which seems to be a good thing. Like the, using the triumphs more as the as the basis, and that's how they kind of like they were able to get pinnacle weapons <coughs> to be account wide and everything like that this season. Yeah, it makes the game less of a grind, and I, I think it's all for the better. Now, Shadow Price, was there another crucible change that one of the Bungie devs tweeted out that you were talking about earlier today? Yes, uh, they. What was it? DMG. He said on uh, Twitter that they uh, made a change where glory, now your wins in glory in the competitive playlist, you're going to get double the amount of points for your wins, but you're also going to get double the amount of points, or you're going to get lose a double amount of uh, the double amount of points when you lose a game too. So if you keep winning and you get on win streaks, you're going to get to that fabled uh, and fabled rank faster and legend rank faster. Um, 
So, which is good because it takes a part of the grind out a little bit. Just puts more of an onus on winning, which is fine. So, yeah. yeah. Just as long as they uh, figure out a way to, I don't know, not make competitive as much of a just struggle. Yeah, it's that, that's tough balance. That you know, there's. I'm sure they've they've been trying to ask for feedback from it and everything to see what people want. What what would make the list the playlist better? I can I can definitely relate to the Crucible being very very tough. So uh, that's why I'm taking a break from Crucible. I'm not grinding out for the Crucible Pinnacle weapon just yet. I'm gonna be grinding out for the Gambit one first because last season. I played a ton of Crucible uh, to try to grind out for that uh, Luminous Howl, and uh, it's it's not always fun, let's put it that way. Uh, but we do have also vendor changes that were updated with the new season of the Drifter. With Lord Shax, we have curated role at the vendor after your Valor is ranked up. There are new emblems, and there is also a new shader. Also, there is a new pinnacle quest available from Lord Shax. The Drifter also has new curated roles via Infamy Rank Up. Also, there is a new emblem, and also a new pinnacle quest. And with Commander Zavala, also new curated weapon, new emblem and shader, and a new pinnacle quest. What do you guys think about this? Are you guys okay with how Bungie set up this update by including the new pinnacle weapons, but maybe not refreshing the entire inventory? I mean, I wish that we had a, th- a thing to spend our tokens on, you know, like the, or materials and things like that, to where, like, I don't know at this point in time what it would hurt to have Uriel's gift or, um, you know, like, like EDZ weapons or anything like that, starting to get random rolls and then changing seasonally. I, I don't think that that would hurt. Um, the, it is nice this time that like there is a like Drifter has a scout rifle, uh, Shax has a pulse rifle, and Zavala has a hand cannon that are newer weapons. Uh, Shax is like last perdition, and the scout rifle from Drifter is is the the same scout rifle, but they're curated rolls or what they deem to be a curated roll. Distant oh. relation, I think. Yeah. Let's yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Zavala's got the service revolver. Right, which is a year one weapon brought back. I don't think I ever got that gun. <laughs> I think I, I like the fact that they did introduce new pinnacle weapons for us to chase after. I haven't had a, a whole lot of time with the new scout rifle, the Oxygen SR3. I did grind out to get it, and the grind for it was not that bad. In fact, you know, it almost reminded me of kind of farming the Grasp of Malak strike to get that curated uh, Grasp of Malak. In D1, yeah. Mm-hmm. Omnigal. Omnigal, right? So I think that there are farmable aspects of this that kind of brought me back to D1, so I did enjoy that. I don't know if scout rifles are in a place where I would give up that secondary slot from maybe using, let's say, a Mindbender's Ambition, depending on the role that you have with that, or some of the other weapons that are available. But it's cool to see 
scout rifles come back and it's going to be really interesting to try it out with arc burn with wordcliffe coil for example during a nightfall that's going to be really interesting to try that out i just finished the grind for it it took me about four to five hours in total uh, i spawned into the lake of shadows strike after i completed the 20 nightfalls and for the nightfalls me and a couple clanmates we farmed the nakris strike we were able to get those done between five to seven minutes apiece and then i finished up the thousand precision kills and the 500 orbs during the lake of shadows strike and i actually went to the asian server and i went to the normal strike and i just killed a bunch of enemies running through lost sectors and around the uh location and i didn't really get spawned in with any other people playing the game because not too many people are trying to do a normal lake of shadows strike on the asian server i can't wait to use the crucible pinnacle weapon as well that's going to be really exciting to to try out yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to it i've watched a few videos on it and uh, it's it's pretty nasty when that perk props and everything so What's the quest like to get it? You just have to reset your glory rank? There are steps, but they're not as intrusive as the mountaintop. They're not as bad. Okay. Um, but yeah, just getting to 2100, you know, uh, getting to that fabled rank. And then a few quest steps along the way. Now also, uh, Zur is having some changes also that took place with this update. Forsaken exotics have been added to the loot pool, finally. So if there are any exotics that you are missing from the Forsaken expansion, you will have the opportunity to acquire them from Xur with this new update. Just hope he sells them. Right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. And also, Faded Engrams will include Forsaken exotics at a later date. But they didn't announce when, so... Probably... Probably uh, Penumbra or Season of Opulence, maybe. But we'll keep you all updated on that as soon as that happens. Also, with uh, the Black Armory, we had a number of changes that took place with this update. Allure items are now guaranteed after completing the Gofanon and the Burguzia Forges. So if you are missing any of the lore items for that seal for all the lore buffs out there you will be able to get that without having to grind quite as much the uh, other changes that took place are the obsidian accelerator item glitch the key mold quest glimmering amethyst the lock and key dialogue has been fixed the spiteful fang has been fixed master smith triumph has been fixed devotee uh, bounty progression has also been fixed and along with many other issues that were fixed relating to challenge resets character boosts general fixes collections and triumph fixes and more that you can check out with the update 2.2.0 patch notes that are available on bungie.net now, moving on to activities, we do have a number of changes that took place with Gambit. We do have a new Gambit director 
there are also Gambit private matches that were introduced for all Forsaken owners. So that means you do have to own a copy of Forsaken in order to have access to private matches. Um, also for Gambit Prime, private matches will be coming on April 2nd, which also leads us to believe that we'll probably get some kind of an update on April 2nd, which will be kind of the next big update to Destiny, which is what my speculations are about this. Um, also for the Invade spawn points, they have been increased and the system has been overhauled. The third round of Prime Evil Rush now has a sudden death and it will be immediately summoned as soon as the third round begins. Supers, grenades, and melee immediately become refilled and regen has been increased when this third round activates. Have either of you ran into that yet? Have you had played enough normal Gambit or anything? I haven't even played regular Gambit since Gambit Prime. <laughs> yeah. I was a little disappointed that, um, like, it. it's not, like, I mean, I, I understand that Gambit Prime is separate, you know, like, uh, but there's certain things that, like, your daily milestone, like, there's separate milestones for Gambit Prime than there is for Gambit. And there's some bounties that progress in Gambit Prime, and there's some that only progress in Gambit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I expect there to be Gambit Prime bounties, and those are very clear. But there are Gambit bounties that you can progress in Gambit Prime, and then there are some that just don't progress. So yeah, it would have been nice if they could have integrated that better. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy that there's like one, you know, Infamy rank. Yeah, <laughs> there's not an Infamy Prime rank or anything like that. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would. Oh jeez, I'm I'm happy for that too. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Well, I'm only one. I'm waiting one reset away from my Dredgen title, so... Same. So I just need the Ghost. Oh, nice. I need Yeah, I need the Ghost, and I think that's it. And then I think I need to kill, like, two more Guardians in their super or something. Which they changed that, too, to where you can kill that Invaders or Invaders. Yeah. Yep. It'll not be a lot easier to do. Yep. Now, if you are looking for any of the items that are available from the Meatball boss... Good news for you, the spawn rate has been increased and it is no longer linked to the curse cycle in the Dreaming City. So that will be a good change for anybody chasing after the Sparrow or the other item that you get from the Meatball, um, well, the quest in order to get the Malfeasance, if you haven't gotten that already. Um, but... Um, also, idle protection has been implemented into Gambit, and interestingly, they did make some changes to blockers, where the small blocker now includes taken goblins and it has less health, medium blockers include taken captains and it has more health, and large uh, blockers are now consisting of taken knights and they will have more health as well. And uh, also, after concluding a Gambit match, you will be taken back to orbit. You will no longer be put back into the queue. And after each Gambit match, you will be taken back, or the teams will be broken up in order to try to keep the game more even and fair. A lot competitive. 
Yeah. So if you slaughtered a team, you're not going to match them again if everybody stays in matchmaking. Yeah. Exactly. So I do like I do like those changes. I don't really mind those. Infamy can be now earned with Gambit Prime and normal bounties as well. There is an increased Infamy point rewards for Gambit uh, by 25 points. So you are given more for completing normal Gambit matches. Also, the Light versus Light Triumph, of course, uh, can now be progressed a lot more easily because you can now kill any Guardians in Super, not just those that are invading. The first to block medal is now going to be per round instead of being per match, so it will occur on a more frequent basis. The fast fill triumph time limit has been increased from 5 seconds to 7.5 seconds. And then lastly, there are a number of general fixes, and finally the guitar error in the Last Wish raid has been fixed, so that's awesome. Finally, uh, for anybody going for their Petra's run, I'm sure that will be a welcoming yeah. change. I was seeing that, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not going to try to focus on that when <laughs> that's a thing. So. Yeah. Well, hopefully now it'll give you more uh, of a uh, reason to go back in and try to get that uh, achievement completed. The uh, Eververse has some changes occurring also. The engrams are now being consolidated to one single engram that you get for the activity. It's I believe it's called etched engrams, if I'm not mistaken. And they're called notorious engrams. Notorious they engrams. Were, I'm sorry. Yeah, they were etched engrams with uh, the season of uh, the forge. You're right. You're right. And uh, etched engrams and prismatic facets are now being retired, and they're no longer going to be available with the new season. If you do dismantle any prismatic facets that you currently have, it will convert into 150 silver dust. Yeah, I had two of them, so it converted for me to yep. 300. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I had one, I think. So. Are, are you guys okay with Eververse no longer including prismatic facets in the game? Um, it doesn't bother me um, because... Like, a lot of the times, like, the stuff that was offered on the Matrix was, like, you could just earn it. Um, but the, the reasoning behind it was to do, to allow things to be available for more, for direct purchase. And, like, this week, I don't feel like that that's there. Yeah. Like, there's some, there's something there. There's a really cool Graviton Lance ornament that I don't see in the, in the Notorious Engram loot pool. Um, so, like, that might be the only thing that I see there. But then there's another bundle there of just getting more Engrams. And I was hoping that I'm okay with, like, if, they, if they're going to come out, like, that Iron Banner emote is only available for direct purchase. I'm, I'm okay if they're going to do a couple things like that. They just need to, to be there and not come with, like, all this other stuff. Like, there's certain things that I don't think that, you know, five Notorious Engrams, 250 Bright Dust, and three fire team medallions is worth eight real dollars. Yeah. I mean, isn't a dog emote also? Yeah, there is, there is a good dog emote. Like that one just did, didn't do anything for me. I mean, like if you're going to charge somebody like $10 for an emote, like I think it needs to be like, you know, like top, top tier hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the patch notes to 
update 2.2.0 so we got quite a bit of information with the patch notes and we did also get a weekly update this week with Season of the Drifter. It did come out a little late this time around. It came out just an hour ago actually while we were uh, doing the podcast here and I'm just going to quickly go over some of the important points that were mentioned in the update that I think would be important to note. With the Season of the Drifter, of course, we have a new location that the Drifter is going to be at. Also, they did shed some new light on the Reckoning event, and it looks like in order to access tier 3 you will be required to have power level 680 and then 10 days after release yep 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 and tier 2 will go up tomorrow it also will be upping the difficulty and also adding additional objectives areas and a new boss to the battle and that will be available on Friday. And then Tier 3 will be available the following week on Friday, and it is going to be considered quote-unquote endgame content and requiring power level 680 to enter. Or It says the activity is set to 690, so bring your best gear. So I'm not clear if it's going to start at 680 and the final boss encounter will go up to 690 is what it's sounding like to me. Nah, it's probably going to start at 680 and the final boss is going to be 700. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I see that happening. So that each, as you progress through whatever you're doing, like if there's if it's wave based or you're fighting some ads and then you get some like the 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 red bars will be like 680 and the yellow bars will be 690 and then the boss will be 700. So, yeah, they are saying it's endgame, so I yeah, which means that you're gonna see well of radiance and tractor cannon and you know all that stuff the first weekend. So they did also mention that they they recommend forming up a fire team for coordination but that matchmaking will be available for this activity, so they did answer that question. There will be available matchmaking. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, especially with a raid-like activity that's being promised here. So it's either going to be easier to do after you level up, or it's going to be a hard activity that's not going to be a fun experience in some cases, if you're solo queuing. Right. Um, also, they did confirm that the Thorn quest will be kicking off on March 12th, and a mysterious spot in the European Dead Zone has a clue, and we can actually start looking for that clue and to start the journey in search of the hand cannon that has been shrouded in darkness. Yeah, they said kickoff, so I don't think we're going to complete it that week. <laughs> I don't believe so either. Um, also, the, I saw the data mine stuff said that like Iron Banner is going to reward getting kills with it, and Iron Banner is going to reward more points too. So I wonder how long this is going to be. I I think they learned their lesson with Thunderlord time gating, but we'll have to see. And also, the Allegiance quest will become available as well, 
and it will give you a very interesting choice to make whether you side with the Drifter or with the Vanguard, which is something that we've never seen in Destiny before. So I'm really interested to see how all of this plays out in the game when that comes out. Who are you guys siding with, with your first character? Mm-hmm. It'll dep- I think it might depend how these cutscenes go. So I'm yeah. going with the Drifter, because the Drifter is badass. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's got some issues. Tempting. I think he's got some issues with the nine, though. So. Yeah, it's tempting. I'm definitely going to play both sides because I got multiple characters. I want to see how that's going to go. Yeah, and also with the March 12th update, Gambit Prime will also be adding a new map called Deep Six and the Invitation of the Nine and Reckoning Tier 3 will become available on March 15th. They also mentioned that the Drifter will have new tricks up his sleeve. I wonder what that means. It has to probably do with the quest and how, you know, things are going to play out, but also, you know, how the, yeah, how the storyline is going to go, because there obviously is going to be a story, like, involved with this, too. Like, we're going to get cut scenes, we're going to get some dialogue and things of that nature. Yeah, that that should be interesting to see how that all plays out. And it seems like we're going to have quite a bit to do over the next, you know, two, three weeks. We'll have to wait and see how the game progresses as we go. Um, they did also confirm that we will be getting Bungie Bounties where you will have the chance to play against the devs and earn a a special emblem in-game called Sign of Mutual Combat Emblem. And they will have the first event taking place on March 13th at 10 a.m. Pacific on Xbox. On March 20th, they will have an event at 10 a.m. Pacific time on the PS4. And on April 3rd at 10 a.m. Pacific, they will have a PC bungee bounty, which I do like seeing that all consoles are being represented this time around. They haven't always been very good about that. Um, Then there's a bunch of stuff going on with player support. As you can imagine, a lot of issues are going to come up whenever a new update is out. I do highly encourage the audience goes to bungee.net and to check out this week's Bungie Weekly Update or This Week at Bungie for March 7th, 2019 because there are quite a few things that are being um, addressed and looked at as far as fixes. Um, Is there anything in particular that you guys want to mention? Uh, Clan XP right now is not counting in Gambit Prime or in Reckoning. That is a big one. Yes. So just be aware of that. It's in there. It's in the known issues. I was skimming through it. Hopefully hopefully they do fix that. Oh, it looks like for the Oxygen SR4, there's an orb generation issue going on. Can't tell if that's in favor of the player or not in favor of the player. (laughs) I did not have a problem getting my orbs done. I, I think I got the orbs completed before I even got the precision headshots done. So it, it it didn't really affect me too much. 
I did have my Orpheus rig equipped. I was on my hunter. Yeah. I've heard that like the masterwork weapons count too, which is different than some of the other quests. So, gender callouts in Gambit. We are investigating an issue where dialogue from the Drifter does not recognize the Guardian's gender. Eh. That's a problem. But there's there's a whole big list of things here that they are looking into. So hopefully, a lot of these bugs get fixed if you are having any bugs do check out this week's update because it might actually address some of the issues that you might be having in game and there is also the bungie.net forum which is a pretty good place to get support i've actually posted on there and the moderators and the community managers are pretty good about getting back on the forum so do check that out if you are having any of the issues but um, not a whole lot with this week's update. We did get a little bit of information about what's coming in, in the coming weeks. But we are going to have to wait and see what the Arc Week will be all about whenever that comes out. And we'll have to learn a little bit more about the, the new bounties called uh, Emissary of the Nine. They're the Yeah, I mean, that's what they were referring to as like Zer bounties for a while So yeah. on the roadmap. So that should be interesting and that was the weekly update we do have a tradition on the show where we rate this week at Bungie in terms of spicy tuna rolls and in our traditional form what would you rate the weekly update this week hmm uh, probably I mean is there a is there a maximum? Like, is, I mean, I'm not going to give it the maximum, but one through is, five. One through one five. five. Can we'll I go? Can two, two, like two. <laughs> I mean, there's two. not. Yeah, there's not really a lot in there, but at the same time, they just dropped an entire content bomb on us, so there's not much expected for them to be saying. So. Yeah, I mean, I go three, just because you know it's some useful information. But yeah, like he's like uh, our guest said, yeah, it's. They just dropped a bunch of content just now, so... I would probably say four, because, you know, I enjoy Gambit, and I enjoy this season, and I do like the fact that they gave us information about what's coming on the horizon for the next few weeks. So, it was it was an okay enough update. There wasn't a whole lot in it, so I would normally give it a three, but because they are giving us information on what is coming next I will give them that extra point and give them a 4 out of 5 spicy tuna rolls this week (laughs) now that we actually had a chance to play through the season of the drifter content in some form what would you say that you guys enjoyed the most about the new season destiny what I'm currently enjoying the most is probably Gambit Prime I would say yeah, I mean, Prime is the thing that's, like, the, the biggest change. I mean, the Reckoning is just, like, kind of a break from Gambit. I just kind of want to see how Prime evolves a little bit. I want them to... Right now, the most frustrating part for me right now is it is literally only that Mars map. Yeah. Um, I wish that some of the other maps would have been on there. And I know maybe they're not sure. And I know there's a second map releasing, but I, I feel like playing enough on... The one match of normal Gambit that I played... 
and then the handful of prime matches that I played. Um, I just I, I think that the other maps will work, and the Mars map is so big, like the sound effects and stuff that they change, the mechanics they change, the big bosses, the big yellow bars that spawn in areas of the game and uh, on areas of the map are definitely a challenge like it, it feels like gambit prime just hits a little harder there's not as much grab motes and run away as you used to be able to do so yeah it's definitely i feel that way i mean and it looks like that was intentional for the map thing they want people to get familiar with the map um while they're playing the mode and that's why they're going to do an, the new one next week on march 12th and then by the end of the month that's when um well by the beginning of april or yeah, the beginning of April, they're going to have all the maps available for Gambit Prime. Yeah. Aren't so, there they're building of, towards that. Aren't there a total of two maps in, in Gambit, or are there three? Oh, no. They're doing Emerald Coast and Legion's Folly, too. They're doing oh. there as well. Yeah, so, they're, bring, they're, bringing other, they're bringing certain maps from the regular Gambit playlist yeah. to the Prime playlist, yeah. Yep. That's, that's pretty cool. I do like that. I mean, yes, they are staggering content, so that way we have something new to play a week or two from now, and I get that. they, In a way, they have to do that in order to sustain the content release, or else you are going to have players who will no-life this game and beat the entire game in five days. So I understand their, their decision there. Um, I personally really enjoyed Gambit Prime a lot. I think there's a lot of potential and to me Gambit Prime has longevity as a mode that can kind of stand on its own much like how you can have you know, strikes or quick play well, bad example, I would say more like Control or Mayhem I think it can stand on its own as something that will be played well and above this season or next season or even next year. I think it's that good. I really like the pacing of it. I really like the fact that the maps are bigger so you can just roam around the map a little bit more freely. I really enjoy the new mechanics where you are supposed to go through the envoy phases before you can melt the boss. I do like that. And I really like the fact that even if your team might be losing by big margins, you can still come back and win that match. And I like that aspect of the game. It adds a lot of really fun elements to it. It doesn't feel like it took too long to play through a match. It felt like the perfect mix of PvE and PvP, and I think they're starting to really nail it with Gambit Prime. Yeah, I'm interested to see if it's going to change also in um, Season of Opulence, if they're going to add anything else to it, Gambit. Yeah, um, I mean, the, my concern is, like, my initial concern right now is, like, the loop is there, like, Reckoning is, is a challenging enough activity. Um, if you don't have Malfeasance, I would say make getting Malfeasance a priority. Malfeasance is a little huge help in Reckoning because of the bonus damage it does to Taken. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a big help. But my concern is like this week, you're you know like these last these first couple days, you did that uh, you did the bounty that the Drifter gave you. You had to complete the reckoning like four times. You had to win at, at the reckoning four times to get the guaranteed helmet dropped, which was great. Um, but then it upgraded your synthesizer to where you you know like you can you can't get 
tier one stuff anymore. Um, the the rapid armor replacement that's going on that that, I, that looks like it's going to be happening right now is a little concerning to me. Like gear that you're earning already is like today or yesterday that when you start doing tier two is going to get replaced already because when you get another pair of boots that are you know century plus two they're, they're automatically going to be better than your century plus ones regardless of the perks right now. Yeah. That's a little concerning to me, but. I'll have to see. I wonder if it's just going to give you materials that let you upgrade, like, the Sentry. Like, am I going to have to... I guess my biggest concern, and it looks like it is going to be this way, though, is that the armor set for the Titan looks the same for all four classes. You know, Collector, Reaper, Sentry, and and Invader. But that's going to be a lot of armor you have if you're trying to collect all four sets on all three characters. Yeah, the whole glow has to do with what set you were. Right, but I'm not even I'm not even talking about the glow. When you get a piece, when you get a, a legs right. like a set of legs that drop, you're 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 you put a century moat in there, and you get a century piece of armor. So that means for class item, you're gonna have to have if you want if you're a collector, you're gonna have to have a century class item, an invader class item, a collector class item, and a reaver class item. Mm. Those four class items are all going to. So they are different? They look different? No, they look the same, but they're colored. The snake, the Gambit logo is colored differently. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so but you, what I'm saying is you can't get one class item and change your perks on, change your class on that item. You would have to have four different. So, like, when you're complete, like, let's say you get all four sets of, I mean, let's say you get all four sets of armor on your Titan or whatever, and you, like we were talking about, you spawn into a Gambit match solo, and you see it's three invaders, and you have your invader armor on. If you have your full sets, you can switch to Collector before the match starts. You can see everything in the ready room, but I think a lot of people will just get their one set, get their invader set, or get their Reaper set, and just stop. Because that's a lot of that's a lot of vault space. That's a lot of inventory space. Yeah, they'll have to increase take, the vault. That would take yeah. sixty four spots in your yeah. vault if you were a completionist and if you were to get everything. And I do think well, if you, you, if you to... want the seal, if you want the, if you want to get the triumph and the seal, looking through the 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 seal page, like you got to do it all. A bunch Corn's of... gonna do it all. I I may have to. Yes, <laughs> I do play a lot of Destiny. And I have three characters, so naturally I would grind out all three. See what the rewards are for these uh, activities and see what the the pin looks like. Because I'm, I'm still trying to get my Dredgen title. I have to rank up my Infamy two more times. I thought I only had to do it once. Then I come to realize that in order to get the Ghost Shell, you need to reset your Infamy rank two more times so you have to reset it just three times total yeah Yeah, three three times times total yep Mm -hmm. gotta play on those triple infamy weekends i'm gonna have to get on then and get that finished so also we have thorn returning very soon and that has been confirmed are you guys excited about thorn coming i am i am i like thorn Exotic hand cannons are, are always good. I mean, just more anything to start, you know, giving you different options to not have uh, uh, Whisper or Sleeper or Thunderlord equipped. I think are great. So that means we'll be one hand cannon away from the Holy Trinity, like Thorn, Hawkmoon, and Lastword. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about Thorn, and I'm excited to see what they do with the quest line 
to get the thorn because in D1, if you played and you got the thorn, you know it was really grindy and really challenging to get that. And for every Avoid death, kills. For mm -hmm. every death you had, you were set back and Atheon Epilogue was your best friend at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like a Void Fusion Rifle, because you didn't have a Void Hand Cannon when that first was introduced. You didn't have that Void Hand Cannon until uh, the Cortisend raid. So. And do you guys have any thoughts on the new Pinnacle weapons that were introduced? I mean, I'm hearing good things about um, the, the machine gun and uh, the little bit I've seen on people using that... Uh, the scout rifle it looks like if you get it to proc if you can get the things the precision hits correctly in the night in the right time frame it uh it does like a 200 percent bonus damage so yeah and i actually got the oxygen sr3 and i got a chance to play with it in gambit prime and i got a chance to play it during a nightfall i will say that it is more useful during a nightfall than it is in gambit prime i almost felt like it hindered my ability to kill the envoys uh, having that weapon equipped because again primarily your enemy isn't going to be the ads around you the ads around you you can probably melee and you'll be fine but those envoys you have to kill them quick so shotgun almost seems like it's necessary to me in that but I do think the oxygen SR3 could be very useful during strikes during nightfall activities and maybe some parts of the raid ac activities as well. Yeah, I mean, the problem is it's still a scout rifle and nothing is really scout rifle range in this game anymore. Yeah, it's scout rifles are definitely not the meta this time around, so hopefully it changes in the future because I was a big fan of scout rifles. In fact, I mean, Vision of Confluence is probably my favorite legendary weapon in Destiny 1. So... Yeah, I was I a huge hung jury guy, so... I love the hung jury. Yeah, huge fan of that weapon. Is it oxygen like hung jury? It is, yeah. Yep. It's an Amalon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Nice. And were there any things with this update that surprised you guys? All the weapon changes. All, <laughs> all, all the changes to weapons that we didn't see at surface until we saw those patch notes. Yeah. It's pretty detailed. I mean, I'm loving their transparency now, like where they're actually like using like tangible figures and everything like that, not just saying slight change or slight, you know. Yeah, getting percentages and numbers and everything. Yeah. Yep. They're being more open about the roadmap as well. I think that if we went back to Destiny 1, the Taken King era, we would expect to get a roadmap from a guy like Jason Schreier or somebody in the media who would leak something. And now we actually get roadmaps directly from Bungie in their weekly updates. So that's a pretty nice change to see them go to from where they were before with their transparency. Yeah, their communication has definitely been on point. Ever since last year with um, the whole upturn of everything, all the events that happened during Curse of Osiris and Christopher Barrett have to come in and basically just try to save the game. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty surprised with how much fun I'm having with Gambit Prime overall. I'm really enjoying it. It is quickly becoming one of my favorite activities to play in Destiny. And I can honestly say that I'm just having a blast. I'm having a good time. I think the pacing is just spot on. And 
it's a fun activity that I'm really excited to see what it develops into. And now hearing about the Reckoning having more endgame aspects, I'm kind of a little bit excited about that, although I do want to set my expectations appropriately because we all know what happened with the Blind Well. It was promised to be this endgame activity that it just didn't really pan out to be in the very end. No, you just you melt. You just melted everything with supers. Like and they gave you the the tools to do that by getting the those buffs of harmony. So Yeah. And as far as the next three months go and the roadmap that's currently planned, do you guys think this is enough to keep Destiny players playing Destiny? based on what they announced and based on what we currently have and what we're expecting over the coming weeks and months. I can't answer that until I see how Gambit Prime evolves. Yeah. I mean, I, the pe- people are going to check in still. The hardcore are going to keep checking in every week, you know, as the season goes on and more content is added to the to you know, to the game. And do you guys think that there's anything that Bungie could have done differently in order to make this season better for you as a player? I think that they needed to do a better job of clarifying how the, the, the synths and the synthesizer works. Yeah. That, that, I've had to watch a lot of videos to understand that. Yeah. A lot of videos. I will have to agree on that. I think that the whole system they built is a little bit weak. I mean, I understand there's so much they can do, so you you almost give them a pass on this element of the game, but I do agree they need to come up with something a little bit better and more intuitive that doesn't require you to go onto YouTube to figure out how to play your game in the most basic form. I think it needs to be a lot more simple. I think they wanted to give it some depth and things like that. You know, that's why you you get the moat and you charge it in the synthesizer or you get the, the, what the synth and put it in the synthesizer and then it comes out of moat and then you put it in the thing. They wanted to give it a little depth and that's why they have like the three different tiers of armor and things like that and all the, you know, they, they wanted us to start experiencing builds from what I can understand from the looks of it. Some semblance of builds in the game yeah it'll just it, like i said it's going to be interesting to see like as you like as tier three unlocks and like the power level you know like it's like i'm just the update that they did today like expecting player your player base to be 30 points you know just to access the activity 10 days after launch that's almost higher than some of the raid activities yeah that's gonna require some some grinding for sure <laughs> Well, and we, we do have to remember that just because something becomes available on a specific date does not necessarily mean that they will expect for players to be able to go in right away and complete that activity. Um, I mean, one simple thing they can do to fix this issue is maybe release that piece of content a little bit later so that more players have a chance to catch up. Uh, if they do make you know, the world's first, a bigger deal where a lot of people will have enough incentive to chase after that day one completion. But... Well, while I agree with you, I understand what you're saying, just because they release content doesn't doesn't necessarily mean 
that we all have to play it. Um, the problem is that the system that they're putting in place right now with these weekly drifter bounties mm-hmm. that say wager moats and win in the reckoning. Moats must be uh, of the highest quality that can be produced by your synth- synthesizer. So when you upgraded your synthesizer from the weak to the the middling, uh-huh. you can now only produce. Um, in order for you to get armor, you can only produce middling moats. And as of today, if you upgrade it to a middling synthesizer, you have nothing else to do because Tier 2 isn't available. So, obviously, Tier 2 comes out tomorrow, um, or when you guys are releasing the show, it will be out. Um, But what happens when you go from the middling to the next one and Tier 3 isn't coming out until the 12th? Here's the fix. They need to have all of them available. You need to be able to like put one in the weak one, the middle one. You can. I mean, you can still you can one. still make you can make a weak moat. But my point is the bounty that Drifter gives you oh, yeah. says wager moats, which means you have to put a moat in the thing, in the reckoning. Moats must be of the highest quality that you can produce that can be produced by your synthesizer. So, like, right now I have a, a Reap em All Prime Weekly Bounty that's going to give me a Reaper Head upgrade and 100 Infamy points that I today cannot... I mean, I've got the points earned, but I have zero of four matches won because I can only generate... I can Right now, the based on how the bounty is set up, I can only make middling modes. Hmm. So, I just don't know. Like, it'll be how we go from middling to the next one. How that happens with Drifter will be relevant so yeah it's interesting to see how i'll do that i i've won three out of the four reckoning matches i have one more reckoning match to win and i guess i'll complete that bounty right and when you complete that bounty the color of your synthesizer changes will change the blue right to blue yeah yeah and i'm assuming the next one will be purple that Mm -hmm. would make sense because in in the reckoning when you deposit a moat into the bank like your like your vault like your bank in uh gambit um, there are four areas to put it in, and you can only put it on the left side, um, which is tier I one. Notice, so I did notice that. I yeah. think that there's going to be three additional levels of activity based on where you're going to be depositing your moat. So, and we're only aware of three right now. So there could be a fourth one. Then. Yeah, or a heroic version of something, you know. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think uh, for me, personally, there are some things that Bungie could have done differently with this season. And I I would like to have seen for them to refresh the vendor. I think Tefty actually mentioned something on Twitter about that being one of his gripes with this season. Um, I also kind of wish we got maybe at least a new strike. Because I enjoy playing Strikes, and it's always nice when you get a new season of content and you can play something that's new to add to the rotation. So I think uh, that would have benefited the game to have something like that. More Crucible maps for me as well. That's something I would like to have seen. Um, better. I, I think those are probably coming. Like, they're going to release, you know, when Tier 3 comes out, they're going to release another map on the Unknown Space or something. I really hope so. That would be so cool if they did. Because I'm a fan of playing Strikes, and I just enjoy 
you know, grinding out a strike to get that pinnacle weapon you're chasing. Like, think about farming for the Grasp of Malak back in D1. You know, there was something really fun about that, being able to go in with your friends and just melt the boss and farm it for three, four hours, and then finally you get that perfect roll, and it feels so accomplishing to actually get that weapon. It's like your prized trophy after grinding out in the game. Yeah, and then Bungie made a joke about it, like, when they had to, like, change Omnigal and move her. They're like, oh, we're so, you know, we're sorry you won't be able to kill Omnigal, you know, again and again and again and again. But... <laughs> yeah. I think it, it was those moments that made Destiny very special for me. I will never forget the loot cave back in D1 when the game first came out, or... Zer selling the Gallarhorn on week one, but I didn't have the game because, thank you to Kmart, I had to wait an extra week before I could play. Um, or, yeah, I think he sold it on week two. Yep. I think Zeros uh, was week one. Oh, was it? Okay. That's... Yeah. Okay. My mistake with that. But yeah, so uh, small small things that I wish we got more in the game. I also would like to, to have seen better clan integration in the game. I think that still they aren't really doing quite enough with clans to do it for me. If you guys ever played Call of Duty, Call of Duty Ghosts had a really good system for how they had clan wars. And I almost wish that Destiny would adapt something a little bit more similar to that. Dude, you know I talked about that in a few podcasts ago. I would love that so much. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm I'm okay with kind of what they're trying to accomplish. I think that, you know, if you really wanted like clans to be like super meaningful, I think they would need to be like you know ten members or something like that. You know. Yeah, it'd just be cool that they could use like the map that they have and all the different activities they have and set up these like these mini tournaments that all these different clans are going against each other at once. And, you know, you have to lock down like different areas. Like you, you got the crucible for like an hour or two, or you got the strikes for another hour and then you got the raid. And then you got, I think that would be really cool to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then the last thing for me is really story. I wish we got a little bit more story when we first flew into the tower maybe have like a really cool cutscene something that really introduces this new season and gives us a backdrop for what we're about to play and i kind of feel like we didn't really quite get that that's as coming as much as that's i wanted coming, to no. but hey yeah i think that's a problem with like they have to be careful with who does and doesn't own the annual pass and you know just stupid stuff like that yeah that's coming. We saw the we saw the cut scene that they showed with the drifter talking to the emissary of the nine. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to wrap up the show with getting our initial impressions on this new content drop from what we've played from a point of let's say spicy tuna rolls because that's how we roll. Um, what would you give this update? Again, initial impressions, how would you rate this update so far in terms of spicy tuna rolls between, let's say, 1 and 5? 
right now for me it would probably be like a two and a half maybe a three like i just need to see the evolution and the time that it's gonna you know it's obviously gonna take a little bit more time so yeah absolutely especially with the way they're releasing the content where you're not getting everything all at once and the season just started so we'll have to see how the game evolves over the course of the next two three four weeks i give it a 3.5 because i'm having a lot of fun in gambit prime but the confusion with the whole synthesis, synthesis uh, synthesizer and the synths and putting in the motes and, you know, how you go about doing that is not super clear and everything when it comes to the armor and when you have to wager it and all that stuff, you know, so. Yeah, and I would give it a four out of five stars because I'm really enjoying Gambit Prime. I also, I think that there are a lot of also different side things that you can do besides playing Gambit Prime. There's the Reckoning, which may or may not work out as something that we continue playing, you know, three or four weeks from now. We'll just have to wait and see how this mode progresses for Tier 2 and 3 and beyond. Uh, I am excited to check out Thorn and to play through the Thorn quest and some of the other activities that are being introduced in the game. So for me, this this update is definitely one that I'm really enjoying, I would say the most since I've enjoyed Forsaken. So I think they're going in the right direction with this update for me, so I would give it a 4 out of 5. Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's just... The, they're talking a lot about what's going on, and I think that like you had a really good opportunity right now to like with the powerful surge bounties and things like that. You had a really good opportunity to to keep your player base engaged, and you know like the the loop right now at least feels very small. I mean, prime and reckoning, prime and reckoning, prime and reckoning. So I mean, we'll have to see how that evolves, and I understand that you know like you know stuff stuff like this can change and evolve over time, but I guess my concerns come from i really enjoyed gambit at the very beginning and then as more things were discovered and strategies were discovered gambit came with its frustrations and i'm you know wondering if you know if prime's gonna do that too you know definitely and time time will tell definitely but um it's it sounds promising to me and uh, i do hope that they live up to their promise with the game and it seems like they are moving in the right direction with the update um so yeah we had a really awesome conversation today about the new season in destiny 2 and dave it was an absolute honor to have you on today so thank you so much for coming on the show tonight tonight yeah i appreciate it it was was fun i appreciate it yeah we we had an absolute blast and I have a ton of respect for everything that you do and what your team does. I mean, my goodness, I could not imagine running a podcast for as long as you all do. And hats off to you. Much respect. And thank you so very much for taking the time to be here with us tonight. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. Let me know next time we can do it again sometime. Absolutely. and Yeah, and your love for Zelda, too. I like that. <laughs> Because I'm a big Nintendo fan. I, I'm yeah. Nintendo and PlayStation. Like I, those were my roots. So, we're, we're just a bunch of gamers. We appreciate every platform from Xbox to PlayStation to Nintendo and Atari. 
we love video games and we love to play games and support the people who make them and we're grateful to have the opportunity to discuss destiny each week with people like yourself and we're just extremely honored to to be here tonight and to talk to you so thank you so very much yeah, no pleasure was all mine. I love my my other co-hosts get like their eyes start rolling sometimes when I start talking about Destiny a lot. So it's good to you know just sometimes just have one 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 show one topic. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just amazing how much that this that this game adds like as yeah. far as like a talking points go and everything. So it's definitely remarkable. And Dave, for the audience, where can we all learn more about you? Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, my handle is at Destiny Dave. Um, that came from I did YouTube videos back in D1 on our uh, YouTube channel and PS, uh, YouTube.com/psnation where I did things called Dave's Destiny Tips. So the Destiny Dave thing came from there, and my my staff or our staff uh, messes with me a little bit with like you know I, I go back and forth like Division Dave or Destiny Dave. But my Twitter handle is at the Destiny Dave. Um, the the main account for PlayStation Nation is at PS Nation on Twitter. Um, I monitor both of those accounts, so if you know you guys feel like following or anything like that, we'd appreciate it. Um, and then we also you can see me on Twitch a lot, uh, Twitch.tv/psnation. Awesome. And when do you guys have new episodes of your podcast? Um, they're usually up by like Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, yeah, two, like usually on the like Wednesdays. Um, uh, sometimes they're a little bit later. Like this week's episode is gonna be a little bit later. But if you just search on iTunes or Google Play or Podcast Addict or whatever, it just search um, PlayStation Nation, um, and you can find it. And you can also just go to psnation.com, which is a uh, you know obviously a website. There's reviews on there. There's you know there's lots of things on there, and also any way to you can subscribe to the RSS feed directly on the on the on the website. So awesome. We'll definitely make sure to do that. And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you? You can follow me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79. And when I stream, you can follow me on twitch.tv forward slash I'm ShadowPrice. Awesome. And you can find our podcast at www.destinyshow.com or on your favorite podcasting app. You can also find us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at OMG Cornholio. And I want to thank you all for tuning in for another episode of The Destiny Show Podcast. I can't wait to see you guys out there and to play more of the new Gambit Prime and all the new content. Thanks, everybody.
Hey there, my name is Jameson, or Big Cat. And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose. And together, we are the hosts of The DL Weekly Gaming News. Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed. Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming. And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gaming-related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download. And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim Jims. So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation. Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 